Actually, right for a change. What? Damn it! That got recorded. I don't believe you. Weren't you weren't supposed wow. to hit the record button. Before wow! That. that was recorded. This is terrible. I know. There's, there's now the question there's is: Do now I, a record? Do well, you purge the record? That's the thing. Is, is now <laughs> this is the power I have. <laughs> power you have. Uh, I'm afraid whatever. it's going to melt the board. <laughs> is that is that smoke rising out of the one of the corners there? Holy crap! The smoke, she is a rise. It is. It's candy cigarette smoke. I can't. Uh, I can't rub oh it out. Oh God! Uh, <laughs> beef gelatin smells weird when you light it. <laughs> Jeez. Oh my God! I'm so tempted to like bring an actual cigarette lighter every time Barry puts one of those things in his mouth, and mm. then just reach over and light it. Ah, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> yeah, really. I'm lighting. You know what? Your cigarette. I I authorize this project. Yeah. yeah? Okay. Uh, yeah. I may have to it's, do that. It's officially show sponsored. A lighter. I can't stand match smell. No, oh, yeah. that's uh, a, the the, the sulfur, sulfur smell. Yes, that's supposed oh, it, to be one of the the more pleasant smells. What? Yes, you people. I really like it. God yeah. Almighty, I hate the smell of. I remember my matches. grandparents. The first time I experienced that was like they uh, would always light the matches in the bathroom after somebody had been in the bathroom. Well, yeah, so I know that. Every time the door would open and you would smell that. Quickly uh, snuffed out match smell. You're like, ah, somebody just took a shit mm-hmm. in the bathroom. <laughs> what's what's great is when it doesn't cover it all the way. Oh god, so you yeah. just have matching shit. Yeah, it's got that. It's like, hmm, it smells like shit and sulfur in here. Uh, that was my dad in the bathroom. Oh yeah, he he did the whole alone time reading. Oh yeah, yeah. and it was gross because he would drop his load. Mm-hmm. And then just sit there, and let it sit for twenty minutes, dude, reading and smoking. Well, if you're in the midst of it, you don't really smell it. It's only if you go out and then come back in. Because no. I've you done don't that. Smell, yeah. Even in the well, midst to, of it. Hey, you, you hey Todd, guess who shit quickly. doesn't smell? <laughs> no, 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 no. That's not what I'm saying. It's that you get used to it very quickly. Your olfactory nerves uh, get used to it, and then it gets used you to go, it to a point, right? Because I've actually had to go out. And then go back in, and then it was like, oh my god, that's really horrible. There, there is a in. reset that happens, no doubt in my mind. Okay, no, uh, just- no, I sit on the toilet, I drop the load, and I'm like, oh fuck, and I'm spraying my ass with Febreze. Well, it's, I think that's more of a diet thing for you then. Oh, <laughs> oh, so it's my fault, probably. Mm. All right, PSA, people. Uh huh. Even if even if you're home by yourself. Be nice to yourself. Give yourself a courtesy flush. Yes. It's right behind you. It's reachable. Yeah. All right? Yeah. You don't have to contort too hard. So drop, flush, continue. Yeah. There is no reason to sit in your own stink. Yeah. And if you're in public and you don't do that, fuck you. Yeah, really. Fuck you hard. That is just mean, cruel, and I will dump cold pee over the top of your stall. Ooh, wow. Cold pee. Yeah. You, know, you have goodness. to wait for cold pee to happen. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. it's, it's a, a calculated bit. measure. It takes a while to cool down. That's yeah. quite the calculation. I actually find if you spray Febreze on the surface of the toilet mm-hmm. before you do yeah. your business, that helps a lot too. I like it. I mean, yeah. that, that helps in the same way a match does, I guess. Yeah. 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 
But welcome, folks, to Geek Shock number 684. I am Master Torgo. 80s Jeff. Commander Crap. And we are here to talk weak and geek. Yeah, uh, Deb and Barry still have the gack. You forgot to take the and again, Kirsten. Oh, shit. And Commander K. It was worth it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, yeah, uh, hopefully uh, they'll, they'll be back next week, but they are still down with the sickness. Yeah. I... I you mother, come on. <sighs> Told them, use the ointment and condoms, and they wouldn't have to worry about it. But no, it's nobody listens. Hap- nobody listens. It's what happens when you don't courtesy flush yourself. No. Hey. What? Wow. You make your own self sick, and you miss the show that's just right. because you sat in your own stink, Deb. <laughs> and that's more Barry, because remember, that's his time in there. His time. His time in there. Uh, I'm sorry to miss last week's show. I, too, was ill, thankfully, and with not the same sickness that those two have. Uh, But I am back again and feeling strange. And it's good to be back. Yes. Uh, So before we continue, I just want to give a little update on what's happening. Uh, The Mini. I am in the middle of working on a Mini. It is a cool little female ninja. Nice. Uh, And uh, I'm kind of taking Electra as a, a color in... Inspiration? inspiration for this one so uh red black uh, with just a hint of blue in there just to change it up a little bit a little bit of gold i uh, had a bit of an issue this mm, week oh no. i've been pa- i've been post- posting up uh <gasps> the uh pictures as i work on it. if you're part of our kofi you can go to torgo's painting corner and i show you the in process of the paint job and marvel and I... sent you a cease and desist oh god they don't stop it's not Man. marvel it's disney god oh, damn shit, it so i right. can't finish the mini because oh. Disney has lawyers up the wazoo and apparently have subscribed to our Kofi in some way. <laughs> no, it's, uh, it isn't that. Uh, it, it is more of a, a physical issue that I had to deal with this week, and I no so tried so hard to fix it. Uh, she is holding a, uh, uh, what was the, the long sword of uh, katana? She's holding a long katana. Yeah. Right? Okay. Uh, the... <laughs> The katana snapped off in the halfway point. Yeah, oh, no. And I have been attempting to repair it with various glues and other things. And it has to be a glue because it's too small to use like a pinning system. Mm. Uh, that is now an utter failure. It is not going to go back on there. And if even if I put it on there, even on the lightweight, it will break again in shipping. I am going to have to move forward. Now, now what's the name of the short, store, uh, short sword version of the katana? Washa, Wa- wakazashi. Wakazashi. Uh, so I am now interpreting this weapon as a wakazashi. And uh, join me on this journey, will you? Thank you. <laughs> so wakazashi? It, so the mini itself is in good shape. The paint job is coming along great. Uh However, the weapon of choice has changed, but everything else is the same. So expect that going forward, Kofi members, and someone will win this wonderful broken piece. Well, worst comes to worst, you could just drill it out of her hand and do like a bow staff or something. Just get like a toothpick there and stick go. it in there. And then add add a new weapon. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I, I, I think that Wawakasashi uh, will, because it, it, it is... It looks like one. It's about the right size for Wakasashi. Okay. Now, the question is, she's got this massive katana sheath on the back mm-hmm. of her that uh, doesn't that, make sense to stick that in there. That's how she throws off the enemy. Oh, yeah, because they're expecting the big thing. She comes yeah. in for the close kill. Right. I like uh. it. Well, you know, that's it's funny because that's the urban legend, although urban, haha, that's like the mythologized legend of the, the ninja sword, the ninja though, which is a short sword, is that the ninja would just pick up broken katanas on battlefields. 
Mm. And that's how they got there. That's how they would get swords because, you know, everybody, nobody could have, not everybody could have a sword, blah, blah, blah. Not everybody was kung fu fighting. You know, so. Uh, <laughs> you know, that didn't happen a lot last week. <laughs> no, no. I, I had, I had I, to focus I, I more. Think, I think, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Je- Jeff didn't, uh, didn't have the. Uh, yeah. The, the open de- feeling to to roll the jukebox. If yeah, you will. yeah. To d- d- derail the conversation <laughs> yeah. with my stupid jokes. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, that that's happening, Kofi members. So stay tuned. Uh, I should be done with that pretty for, pretty pretty soon. Maybe within the week if I'm if I can find the painting time. Uh, so that being said, that's all the the business I have going up forward. And of course, if you haven't joined our Kofi ko ficom slash geekshock and you see all the rewards there. Uh, one other thing, uh, I. I've been putting off watching uh, uh, the Schwarzenegger movie, the uh, Last Action Last Hero, Action Hero uh, because we were going to have like this yes! whole bit get together and, and sickness and everything kind of derailed that. I'm going to have to watch this one on my own so we can move oh. ahead with the next one. So expect to nominate the next one very soon and maybe we can watch Party that next one. No. Uh, but uh, but uh, I'll be watching that sometime this week. I can't wait to hear what you think about it. Uh, I'm I'm looking forward to this. I've I know it by reputation, and most of the reputation yeah. I know it by, I know because of Jeff, and I yeah. know Jeff really enjoys this movie. I really it's, enjoyed it, uh, even from the first viewing, because yeah. I remember vividly how much negative press it was getting. Yeah. at the time, yeah, and the fans were the most vocal about it. This isn't a Schwarzenegger film. This fucking sucks. This movie's awful. Blah blah blah. And then I'm like, I go see it, and I'm like. Oh my God! Everybody that watched this movie completely missed the point. Yep, they absolutely were looking for a classic, dumb Schwarzenegger film, and they got a smart parody of of Schwarzenegger and what he does. Yeah, by Schwarzenegger. the The audience just was not ready for Schwarzenegger I, I, to wink and it nod. was a little. I mean. Stuff like that had been done before, but I think at that particular point in time, we'd really gotten into that whole brainless, mindless action film void, and the the curve of going back up to your more intelligent um, fare in the theaters that could also have action mixed in hadn't started yet. Yeah, I I still enjoy it. I, I just saw it recently, actually. It was okay. on... Uh, well, I didn't get to see the whole thing. I got to see a section of it because it was on some TV yeah, series it, or a clip or something. Well, it's also streaming. It's streaming now. It hasn't for a while, but yeah, oh, somebody's okay. got it. I can't remember who. Excellent. So, so I'll, we'll probably be discussing that next next week. Right. Uh, again, uh, it's time to throw your nominations out onto uh, what the next. Uh, uh, Clockwork Torgo movie will be, so I'll uh, go ahead and post that on the Kofi Discord as well. And that being said, let's get on with the show. Jeff, what geeky things you do this week? Oh, man. Um, Oh, he's digging deep. So, it's all over the place, but I'm also Is this going back to the whole flush it thing? No. (laughs) (laughs) Not this time. Uh, Very geeky to clog your toilet, though. (laughs) So it's all over all of the it. social media now, and I'm glad I watched it as early as I could because the last episode of Picard really fucking hit you in the feels. Oh. Um, oh. I will avoid the spoilery talk as well because I know not everyone has seen it, but there were some moments in there where I just, I was like, oh, wow. Oh, wow. 
it's really funny too because I, I hear some of the negative reviews about it. You know, that are like, oh, they're just really trying to play in the nostalgia angle. And I, I was really thinking kind of deeply about the whole nostalgia thing because when it's used well, it's it's done right. Is it's that what you're good. laughing yeah. about? Okay, it's done right. If it's done right, uh, it can really enhance the storytelling. But when you roll into that nostalgia for nostalgia's sake, and there's not really any substance to your story, then it can be really detracting. Um, I think Terry Metalis and his writing crew have done a fantastic job of finding that balance this season. Nostalgia in general, especially in some of the projects that are out there right now, definitely... I think the reason it appeals to people so much is because you know that there's there's certain moments in, in life that you just really can't revisit or you just don't expect to ever be able to feel that way about something again because it's a moment in time and that time is now in the past. And then when you're confronted with that thing either recreated or represented in a, a newer way, it just really triggers that emotion because you're not expecting to ever be able to have that feeling that you had, say, 35 years ago. Again, you're like, you celebrate the fact that you had that moment, but you're like, this is awesome, but it's it's in my past, never going to happen again. And then suddenly something like this hits you again, and you're just like, God damn it, I've missed this. This was something that I just really missed. And is this is this a new thing now? Or is this something that's been around that for a while that, that it, we just didn't pay as much attention to? For example, it could um, be your. We thought that uh, Next Generation was pretty much done. The movies were done. Next Generation, the show, right. had seven seasons. Right here comes Picard and really revisits it with a new light and does it well. Same thing with Karate Kid and Cobra Kai. Right. Karate Kid, a moment in time, touched a lot of people in the fields at the time, but that was the end of it. Then all of a sudden, here comes this new series that comes at it at another point of view and does it really well as its own thing, but still with heavy respect to the original. Is this a new thing in this time, or is this just something that's been happening that I've missed? I don't know. I think I mean, it's I think it's fairly new. I mean, Cobra Kai is a I think to its credit, they're balancing the nostalgia and the original characters with a whole crew of new characters. Sure. So you've got that good balance in the storytelling. You're not just focusing on Daniel LaRusso and um uh, I'm just totally blanking out on his name right now. Uh Chad Lawrence. Yeah. Johnny Lawrence. So it's not just about those two characters. And and I think and, it, it can't be. I wouldn't be successful if it just did. And while that series started off that way, that was the inciting incident, if you will, of those two meeting each other again. The fact that their kids are now involved and their, their kids' friends are involved. And then it just turned into this really huge thing. And it was that good balance of... Well, actually, it, in the series, it does a really good job of pointing out how both Johnny and Daniel have kind of lived in the past and they have to go, wait a minute, that was 40 years ago. It's time for me to focus now on the now and what's coming around the corner. I think we can all learn a little something from that. Yeah, absolutely. 
What? Uh, Halloween does it, uh, again, not to the same level of success, but a, a worthwhile endeavor. Right. Uh, Candyman. Uh, I just recently saw the new Candyman, which is a continuation of the original and did a brilliant job with it. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it's new, but I like it. I think okay. I think part of it is um, there was an old rule, uh, seven years is too late for a sequel. Yeah. That, that was a Hollywood rule. And they've abandoned that because they're like, okay, obviously that's no longer the case. So on one part, they, they don't sit there and go, oh, that's too late to do that kind of sequel. And then the other part is that they discovered that they can play with things a little bit and they do have some latitude in that with the audience as opposed to well we're going to do the sequel we got to do it you know by formula you know like a George Lucas's line about it's like a poem and it rhymes uh you know so the, the people have a little more latitude yeah, well, Top Top Gun Maverick's a perfect example of what you you're go. talking yeah. about yeah, there. Yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. yeah, they brought in some of the original characters, but they also had a, in my opinion, a much more solid story than the original That's, story. I haven't seen it yet. You but still I'm haven't here. seen it? It's I on see. Paramount Plus. You yeah. have Paramount Plus. Yeah. I'm, uh, wow. Yeah. Wow. J'accuse. <laughs> really? <laughs> What'd you think of it, Todd? I haven't seen it yet. Yeah, you fuck. <laughs> But exactly what you're saying, I mean, you know, you haven't seen it. It's hard for me to point out specifics to you. But but you, everybody, is especially the stronger story. It breaks breaks the traditional sequel formula in that, you know, it's kind of the same thing repeated. There are elements of it that are the same thing repeated from the original film. But there's enough new things mixed in. I'm I'm really trying hard to avoid spoilery territory sure, since sure. you haven't seen it yet, but there's enough new things right. mixed in there, and I know some of the basics. So, so uh, but um, I uh, and I think that has a I think that has something to do with it. The writers are hitting a a bit of a nice stride of grabbing some nostalgia and coming in with something new. Sometimes though, I think they overdo it. I'm getting I'm really tired of the. Uh, beloved older character being a traitor. Mm, yeah, you know, like the the biggest one I think that that really for me kicked it off was the first Mission Impossible, and making Peter Graves' character John Boy uh, making um, uh, I can't even remember the character Mr. Phelps Phelps. Yep, a traitor was just like, come on, really. And then we had it, uh, well, it's not really a sequel, but it's actually becoming, if you think about the nostalgia and, and adaptions in The Eternals, we had, oh, yeah. we had a, a similar betrayal mechanic thing, trope, and it was just like, <sighs> really? Guys, come on, ease up. So that that's getting, it's, it's actually, I guess it's been around long enough, Todd, that it's starting to develop its own tropes. The I, whole nostalgia, you know, <laughs> the ne- right. neo-nostalgic. Right, because you could argue that uh, Indiana Jones and the Crystal Skull kind of followed this idea in a way. It right. was a oh, continuation many years later. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they threw it, in the betrayal trope. And, Star, and, of course, Star Wars with their going to prequels and then the new sequels yeah. and so on. So, I mean, it's, it's not a 
Right. New new idea. Yeah, it's but, just that now they're doing it really well. Yeah. Well, when the, when they do it, I mean, there there are there are misfires. I think uh, like in Cobra Kai, the fact that it's a TV show helps a lot. I mean, if anything, I'll go so far as to say I think Maverick and uh, what you said about Candyman that almost seems to me like a <clears throat> excuse me <sighs> like an anomaly. Right, I oh, think in yeah. t- in television it tends to to do better, but then again, Halloween did it, and you know, I I don't know. So it, it's, yeah, it's, I'll just it's a fascinating happening. I'm glad to see more of it. Uh, I wonder if they'll do enough that people will get sick of it. Who knows? Well, well I uh, mean, everything comes in yeah, waves. That's what yeah, I mean. Sure. And you know, and once they run out of things to be nostalgic about, and then you'll sure. get the next wave. Right? Yeah, only we, we're already starting to yeah. get like '90s nostalgia. There you go. Because we had go. '80s nostalgia for quite a while. Now it's boy, moving oh boy. on to the next decade. Wait, <laughs> wait until we wait until we horribly age with uh, yeah. when they start the 2000s nostalgia, and we're just like, oh god. I mean, when you think about it, uh, one thing I'll think about, I'll mention is, I noticed this with like Miami Vice. It was very interesting when they would have new music but they would also incorporate some older music and yeah. and have occasional cameos and stuff from with stars from not just not not just music musical stars of the time but they'd go back a little bit into the previous decade so they they kind there was kind of but it is nothing like it is now and and so long as they do an interesting job with it, <clears throat> yeah. And so. of course, the the Michael Mann Miami Vice movie was a bit of a whiff. Woof. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, and you know what? And, and, Wait a and minute. It, it's it's a it's funny because it's a film loaded with talent. Yes. You have Michael Mann, who is a very talented writer and director. Yes. Uh, you have Jamie Fox. Yes. But Colin Farrell. Colin Farrell. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you have. A pretty deep core of talent there, yeah, and yet the movie just falls flat. Well, it and I think part of the problem there is that Miami Vice was so of its time, right? It was so. I mean, it's like Karate Kid is the original Karate Kid was set in the eighties, right? Right. Miami Vice was the eighties, yeah. and I think well, that just makes a. I mean, it defined a lot of the '80s yes. fashion trends. Yeah, the fashion trends, the music, the the styling, yeah. the whole thing, and uh, the the production design for fuck's sake, everything. Mm-hmm. And and um, I think that had a lot to do with the 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 movie suffering because how do you how do you emulate that how do you strike that tone without just going into parody right right like starsky and hutch played it safe yeah do it do it do it you know or even the 21 jump street movie that's that that they went right for parody territory they didn't even try to say look we're gonna Mm -hmm. we're not gonna update this to the 21st century and make it serious and the most we're gonna go right to parody one of the absolute stellar examples of this dragnet Oh yeah, eighty-seven Dragnet. Yeah, absolutely. Ackroyd and Tom Hanks. That was that was an utterly 
<laughs> I still you're, remember. You're, you're giving me that blank look, oh, aren't no, no. you? I'm just, I'm just digging you, my head trying to find more ideas. Yeah, you haven't. But I'm looking at you doing it, so. No, no, no. You haven't seen it, have you? Dragnet? Right? Yeah. Oh, yes, I've seen it. Oh, I okay. still remember Vernon <laughs> getting all giddy when he discovered that I knew who he named his yes. his Starfleet character, Lieutenant Strebeck, after it. I'm right. like, are you doing the 87 Dragnet? And he goes, oh, my God, nobody else has got that so far. That's awesome. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah. 87, sure. that was his cutoff point. Yep. <laughs> well, <laughs> you're not wrong. <laughs> but anyway, uh, I mean, and that was one of the absolute best. And I remember I remember uh, people like Siskel and Ebert bitching about oh, that. that so, yeah, I guess. Oh, God, it, this is the really shows how Hollywood has just run out of ideas. And it's just like, guys, it's not always run out of ideas. Sometimes it's expanding on something that's been around. And I think that a lot of writers are managing to do that. I mean, Cobra Kai is just, it, it, I think it's been phenomenal in terms of how they're, they, they've managed to totally you know, move forward while still referencing the past, which, when you think about it, is the basic theme. Right. Um, and uh, th- th- that, that just has totally worked. And and I think that's the key to it. It's I think it's having that reverence, not married to, but that reverence right. to the original story. I think Halloween did break down the barrier of saying, you know, we're throwing out everything past number one and just continuing from there. And sure. I think breaking down that wall helps a lot. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, I've had this conversation about comics. It's just like, guys, let go of continuity. Continuity is killing you. Let go. Just you know, d- 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 you know. St- just tell your your version of this story. Just have fun with it. Do whatever. But yeah, that that whole it's <laughs> it's so funny because every time I I get into the people that just can't let go of something, I always think of the scene from Indiana Jones' Last Crusade when right. You know, it's because it's such a perfect metaphor. You know, he's hanging off of the you know that mini cliff if you will and he's trying to grab the grail and it's his father that says indiana let it go and it's such a perfect metaphor for a lot of entertainment in general or a lot of things in just in life exactly it goes right back to what we were talking about drop your load flush the toilet <laughs> there you let go. it go there you go let it go save yourself it always comes back around to shit doesn't it <laughs> that's on this show <laughs> Uh, the well, only other thing I did was uh, yeah, now after we've talked about your right, experience. I know, yes. right? Yeah, that, that turned into a, a much longer conversation than I anticipated. Uh, watched the season finale of Mandalorian. It was a very satisfying finale. Wonderful! I got a, very satisfying. Now that it's there, I can binge it. Yes, you can watch the whole thing straight through. Which I almost kind of feel like you need to, especially like the last three episodes. Really felt like a oh my god, they should have dropped these last three episodes together so I could just stream it right through but uh yeah very satisfying ending at least to me it was my so. my wife has gotten to the point where she won't watch a show until it's done and that that that's kind of her because she she can't wait anymore she doesn't have that that patience to go that's the end of this season we'll wait till next year for the next one i think the show c on Apple Plus did that oh, too. Yeah. I, I think she was tired of waiting around for the next we're still waiting for third season Mm. And and so I, I think that's what broke her. So now she's like, we're not starting a show. Wow. Done. 
Well, Larry Correa has a lot to say about that. (laughs) That's why I'm kind of glad the fact that I've just now started watching things on Apple TV Plus is that I have the full seasons to watch now because I just started watching Severance, and it's very intriguing. And if I had to wait the week to week just after watching the first two episodes, I don't think I could have handled that. I love being able to watch it on my schedule now. Yeah, Because it's a very intriguing series. I'll bring it back once I've completed it. Well, you know, I missed a week. Uh, finished, uh, oh, what's the, uh, Sons of Anarchy. Hmm. Uh, that is a great show. I highly recommend it. When you're doing a lot of shows, doesn't matter what the show is. Oh, it's so hard to stick the landing. So hard to make all of that worthwhile and end it in the right note. But God damn it, they did it. And, and it's not exactly the ending you want, but it's the ending that needed to happen for that show. Sure. Um, I had my ups and downs and hiccups with it along the way. A lot of secrets and people not acting on things that are not being told. It's kind of the point of the show as you get going along with it. And if that doesn't bother you too much, and you can embrace that. Wow. Yeah. Great. It's, it's Biker Sopranos. And through and through with the with even a little bit more violence. And so and and really ramps up as it gets going. And uh, both me and my wife absolutely ended up adoring that show. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we as spoken, we not starting shows together. I can watch a show that hasn't ended. That's fine. She can't. So if we're going to watch a show together, we have to choose a show that has a beginning and end. So we have started another classic television show. Uh, one I've been wanting to get to for a long time. I watched the first season way back when when it came out and then just didn't for some reason, probably because something shiny was over here. Squirrel. Yeah. And uh, so we have started Breaking Bad. Really? And I thought you had finished Breaking oh, Bad. Oh, no. No. Because I remember you starting it. Yeah. But... I fell out somewhere in the middle of the second season. I think. Oh, okay. Uh, we are now in the middle of the fourth season. It has five seasons altogether. Right. Um. Like most television, and even television today, even the new stuff, very few TV shows don't have this problem. The first season, it's not rough. It's still decent television, but there are some draggy moments, and there are just moments where you're not with the characters yet. And it's not as bad as Buffy first season. Yeah, Um, (laughs) the the, the first half season. (laughs) And you need that first season as the... Two main characters are learning to work together and creating this mini drug empire for themselves into something (laughs) larger. Uh, And so it's not a bad first season, but it's definitely the inferior season of the rest. And uh, but if you haven't taken the Breaking Bad journey, do it. It's amazing. I've got to give it to Vince Gilligan, too, because he stuck to his guns about five seasons and that's it yeah because I I know AMC wanted him to stretch it out. He's like, absolutely not. Season. It has a definitive beginning, middle, and end. One of the few shows where the fifth season was the highest watched season. Yeah. And that's how you want to go out, people. So smart. And, uh, and so obviously, uh, my wife and I are in a, a crime, you know. We're, we're, we're doing crime shows. We're yeah. on that kick. Mm. Uh, so in honor of that, in the Xbox, I have been playing Power Wash Simulator. What? Okay, let me back this up a little bit. Yeah, please indulge us. 
with some more details. <laughs> I wild back. Uh, I brought up the mini at the beginning of the show. Uh, on tier three and above in our Kofi memberships, uh, everybody is entered to win a mini painted by me every month. Uh, I had some Vegas winners that were here. And if you're living in Vegas, instead of shipping it to you, I just meet you and hand it to you. That way there's less chance of something breaking and don't have to worry about shipping. And I get to say hi to you. Uh, so I met two of our winners mm-hmm. and was talking to them. And uh, Gabe was one of the winners. And Gabe brought up that he'd been playing Power Wash Simulator. And I'm like, you know what? I've known this game has existed. It's kind of sat in the back of my head as a joke. And he's like, no, 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 no. This is a good game. It's, it's really good and it's very relaxing, but it's fun. And I'm like, okay, fine. And I just kind of let set in my head for a couple of months. Well, uh, Xbox Game Pass has it on there. And Harry Potter Legacy, uh, I'm still playing it. But man, I wish it would grab me already. I, I, have, I have friends at work that are like, I play this game every chance I can. I'm, I'm having a fantastic time with it. I've sunk almost 10 hours into it. And I'm like, ah, when does it get interesting? It's it's fun in a Harry Potter joy way. And then doing the classes, I, I, I think I'm still in the early game where I'm training and I'm just spending much, too much time just going out trying to explore because I want things to happen. So I'm going out trying to make things happen. I think I just need to stick on the storyline and just concentrate on that to put gas in the engine. Because otherwise I'm like, well, what am I going to do here? I guess I'll fly my broom over this side of Hogwarts and see what's over here. So I play it for a couple hours, then I just lose interest. So I'm like, I'm going to finally play Power Wash Simulator just to see what this is like. Okay. Uh, it, it, what is it like? It's addicting. That's what it is. It's addicting. It's the anti-coloring book. Okay. It is a business sim only in the fact that you are presented first with a vehicle and you just bought your first Power Wash gun and you are opening your business. So someone is paying you to clean that car and it's covered in gunk. And you take your gun and you spray water on it and take all the dirt off. And after you're done, at every piece that you clean, and you have to do it, can't miss anything. Once that's gone, that piece is just flashes bright and you get a little bit of money for your business. And when it's all done, you get the full money with a little bonus. And then it moves on to houses and skate parks and playgrounds and firehouses and things just keep get bigger and you have different kinds of dirt and different kind of nozzles and extensions that you can buy to make things easier and it, it sounds fucking ridiculous because it is however it is very very relaxing and very focus intensive and that combination the hours go fucking by it has no business being this fun. It has no business being this therapeutic. But it is. Well, you know, I have a real power washer. You're welcome to come over and use it on some of the projects I have I might had just, to put off. I, I might just. <laughs> <laughs> Only if, when I finish that portion of the wall, it lights up brightly and puts 20 bucks in my pocket. Aha! <laughs> There's the And nut. then you take that money, you can buy new power washers, or you can buy cosmetics and give yourself a new uh, uh, 
outfit that mm. that so the water doesn't get all over you or whatever, or you can change the look of the gun. Don't care about that stuff, but I do care about upgrading that power wash gun. Mm. And I know, I know, people. It sounds ridiculous, and and I thought the same thing when Gabe told me about it. But until you've tried it, you just don't realize. I told Barry about it, and and I know it captured him at least for a little bit. <laughs> Because he started texting me about it. I can't find this last piece of dirt. And just stuff, you know, Barry yells. Yeah. Little Barry, mm-hmm. if, if you're on Barry's text chain somewhere, that's what you'll get. You'll just, he yells at you randomly about something he's doing. You mm. could know what it is. You could not know what it is. Doesn't matter. He, yeah. You can hear the yell from the text on your phone without engaging a text-to-speech. Power wash simulator has been more engaging than Harry Potter Hogwarts legacy. Mm. That's insane to me. But it is. That's true. I, I don't know what to say because that... Totally, it sounds stupid! Totally makes sense to me uh, for a total other reason. So I don't know. <laughs> but what's the total other reason? I, I, I just have no interest in Hogwarts. Oh, I get it. I absolutely get it. And I'm starting to get that to that point. Yeah. No. They're the, not having you go out and pick weeds enough? If they gave me a power washer and told me to spray Clean. down Hogwarts Castle, <laughs> I'd get more out of it. <laughs> spray water at passing brooms. Sure. I could I could, I could, could hose down all of Hogsmeade. It would there be great. Go. There you go. But, uh, yeah, that's that's what I've been doing. And, and I just want to put a little thing out there. Uh, oh whoa! N- not all. <laughs> Here it is. I'm putting it back in my pants. The uh, not all McDonald's are created equal. I think we all know this. You learned this from Power Wash. No, this is uh, this. Uh, this is me hitting the bra- the, the power brake <laughs> and spinning the wheel and hitting the gas. All right. This is me just turning okay. without stopping. I see. McDonald's has put it out there that they are changing their recipe for making their hamburgers and their Big Macs. Mm. Okay. Uh, they have started here in Vegas. It's, it's a slow rollout across the United States, but one of the play, one of the towns they started is Vegas. So I had to try it out because if you haven't had a regular McDonald's cheeseburger in the last couple of years, they are awful. They are mostly flavorless. They have a piece of cold cheese on there and a hard bun. And the only reason I could think to get them was to, it was something easy to eat in the car, mm-hmm. right? Because you can't eat a Whopper in your car. You're going to make a mess, right? It's just it's the, the tomato and stuff. Whopper's the, yeah. Burger King. Yeah, I know. That's oh, what I'm okay. saying. This you can't have a Whopper, right? <clears throat> oh, I see. All right. So you go to McDonald's and get the cheeseburger. Right. And a quarter pound of a cheese, that works, right? Because mm-hmm. they, they melt the cheese on that. Everything kind of ah. holds together. Yeah. But if you get the deluxe one with the lettuce tomato, you, oh, you still oof. got that same problem, that yeah, Whopper always, problem, right? Always, Well, the cheeseburger, you could get that because it's even easier to eat, but it sucks. Mm. It's been horrible <laughs> for years. The way I they see. made McDonald's cheeseburger since the 90s mm. has been awful. So now... They've changed it. Uh-oh. All right? Now, and I know this sounds like I'm doing a McDonald's commercial. I'm not. This is my personal fucking opinion. Now they are cooking the burger with the onion, so it's caramelizing the onion and melting the cheese on the top, <gasps> making it more like they used to do it in the 80s. Mm-hmm. 
when it actually had some flavor. I see. And I went to one of the local ones and tried it, and it was not going to say divine, but I'm going to say it was really good. Mm. It surprisingly good. And uh, going back to our earlier discussion, a bit nostalgic. Okay. Because of going back to that 80s style of cooking. And I really enjoyed it. So I went to another McDonald's and did it, who's supposed to be doing it the same way. <clears throat> Fucking garbage. Just absolute cardboard. I could tell they're kind of doing it, but the, they're not going the extra mile. It's kind of going back to Karate Kid. No Karate Yes, no Karate No. Walk Karate Middle, squash like grape. They are squashing this fucking grape. They have the way of doing it now. Some of them are doing it right. Some of them are doing it wrong. So when it hits your town, and if you give a shit about going to McDonald's and you want to try it, be warned. Some are going to fuck it up anyway. But if you can find the ones doing it right, it's worthwhile. And this is only in the basic cheeseburger. This is the basic cheeseburger, okay. and they're also doing it for the Big Macs. Oh, okay. All right, and the McDonald's. Anything having that li- having to do with that little burger patty, not the quarter oh, pound yeah. patty, the little patty. All right, yep. and they- and they're putting more sauce in the Big Mac too, if that's your thing. Okay, that's what they're doing. So I'm <clears throat> growing up in the world of McDonald's. I'm always paying attention when they do something new, and this is finally a step in the right direction. If everyone would goddamn do it. Yeah, it's funny getting them all to do it is you you would think wouldn't be that difficult given the way that you know when you and I were working there corporate had a stranglehold on everything you did. You had to do it their way mm-hmm. or you'd lose like your franchise. <laughs> well, I kind of think they're doing it with this one too cuz it's supposed to be a full rollout everywhere mm-hmm. and they're advertising it on their friggin' drive-through signs. Okay. But I don't know. I've had one that was really good, and I had one that was really bad. Good luck. Good luck to all of you and your hearts and your arteries mm. and mine. Kay, what'd you do this week? Uh, on a whim, I watched Clint Eastwood's Pale Rider. Oh, really? Which was... it was I hadn't watched that uh, since... Uh, since I saw it on video way back in the 80s. Really? And uh, it was interesting to watch because watching Eastwood growing as a director, what he was doing with lighting and natural lighting and that was very, very interesting. And <clears throat> plus it was interesting seeing uh, a few 80s faces in the movie. So, But it was, it was, it was interesting because it's... Not one of his movies that a lot of people talk about. Yeah, I, I've I've never seen it. Right, uh, I know it by name. Yeah. What what is what is Pale? When did it come out? Uh, Eighty five. Eighty five. Yeah. So this was his big return to westerns. Yeah, and he was uh, uh, he plays a preacher who um, there's a a big bad corporate dude who's trying to force some small. Uh, claim gold miners out of their claims so he can do his big industrial mining because they do like hydraulic mining where they blast hillsides with water and sluice out the gold and then you know totally destroy the terrain and just move on and um the small claims people are resisting and uh, a young girl uh when there's a raid 
to terrorize them. Uh, her dog gets killed, and she actually prays for and John Wick shows up. Uh, kind of, sort of, because <laughs> she prays for uh, you know she she does the whole uh, thing from Revelation, uh, and there came upon uh, you know on a pale horse, and uh, then the the preacher shows up, and he doesn't have his gun at first, but. Um, he helps the claims people come together to decide to resist big bad corporate guy who's uh, played by uh, L.A. Law's uh, Richard Dysart. And then eventually he takes off the collar and puts on the guns. That's that's the part you're waiting for. Yeah. So, but it was really... your money's worth? Me? Well, it was free. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. But, but saying that you <laughs> pretending that you, that you'd paid for this movie when he puts um, the gun on is is it worth the price of admission? Oh, well, actually, it's very uh, it's very low key because oh. he goes to a. They think he's abandoned them. Actually, where's the preacher? Oh, he left. What? But he goes to uh, a bank nearby and uh, drops his safety deposit key on the counter. And so they pull out the box and leave him alone, and he opens it, and there's the gun rig, which he takes out, and then, and the way, what what he's doing is the camera's just on the box. So his hands come in, remove the gun rig, beat, <laughs> collar falls into the box, and he closes it back up. What an image. <clears throat> yeah. Uh, but it was, it was a lot of that. I, I really... It's really funny because I know that for a lot of movie people, they hate doing big full shots of faces because when it's shown on TV, it can be, it, it, there's just like this, oh, don't do that. So watching this movie, he does a lot of close-ups where the faces just fill the screen. And he has a actually a couple scenes not just one but a couple of people looking out the window and watching what's going on out there and the lighting versus the shadow that was the thing that really interested me and was really cool to look at so i was i was watching that and i'm like okay this is the 80s he's i mean he's he's been making his own movies for over 10 years now but you can see a lot of uh, his development you can see him laying the groundwork for Unforgiven, which for me is his is his greatest movie. Yeah, it's definitely his magnum <clears throat> opus. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So that was interesting. It, it's a Western, but it was still, it was just interesting to nostalgically dip the toe back in and just watch that and it, see it. It's been a long time since I've seen it, so I'm trying to remember specifics, but I do remember like what you're talking about, the playing with the lighting, but also with the way he was playing the framing. And then, uh, what do they call it? I think it's like frame within a frame where like use objects to frame yeah. out. So Lots you're not of just... shots through Western yes. windows yes. with the, the Ripley, uh, you know, uh, glass mm-hmm. and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. That's, uh, and of course, <laughs> any movie where you've got Richard Keel uh, in it yes. is always interesting. But this has a double shot. You've got Billy Drago and Richard yes. Keel in it. Yeah. And both of those are some of the more interesting-looking uh, character actors yeah. in film. Uh, Drago always used to just weird me out when I would see him yes, on screen because he just has that 
dude, that weird nefarious look to him. He, even when he he's made like my, smiling, he made like, my Ugh. skin crawl. Yes. in Untouchables. Mm-hmm. Uh, it just oh, absolutely, yeah. ju- you felt dirty. You felt yeah. greasy and oily after. <laughs> that's a that's a superpower. Oh, dude! It. I mean, he really has got it. Uh, I I guess it's nice work if you can get it, but. <laughs> <laughs> you know, he yeah. really... He's a master that using the facial expressions in a way that you're just like... Yeah. It sends shivers down your spine. Right. You're just like... Ugh. And the way he talks, he can, mm-hmm. he totally is can be slimy in his talking. Too. Absolutely. So, yeah. Yeah. And Keel was funny because Keel uh, was supposed to be bad guy and actually kind of became good guy so it's sort of like just like jaws then. taking that jaws uh, tradition of uh making him more so it was a uh, it was really it, and it was really funny how they did that too because there's a scene where there's an attempted rape uh the girl who had prayed for him makes a mistake of showing up uh at the bad guy's uh, location and they corner her and it's getting bad and keel is just like he he comes up and he's like no 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 and he makes he moves forward to break it up, but of course he can't break it up because Clint has to break it up. So yeah. kabam so kabam the contract, you know. So shooting starts and uh, and the girl is saved, and uh, then Keel actually saves Clint's life later on when Christopher Penn, Chris Penn. Oh really? Very uh, yes, is uh, showing up to uh, shoot him in the back and stuff. So it was, yeah. So it was, it was interesting. It was, it was, um, it was an interesting look at his development. I guess I would say. So, because like I like like we all agree, Unforgiven is just a masterpiece. Um, and you can see sort of the steps leading there. So it was interesting. A variation of the, you know, man with no name, pale rider, uh, high plains drifter, as well as, uh, you know, the... uh, uh. (laughs) I was about to say Sergio Argonis, Jeff. (laughs) Argonis. You know, the spaghetti western thing. So it, um, I enjoyed that. So I'm also, I was reading... Tales from the Magician's Skull, number 10. I love that name. This is the latest uh, release of uh, uh, another Sword and Sorcery magazine. This one is um, edited by uh, Howard Andrew Jones, who I've mentioned before. He's the man who edited a lot of Howard Lamb historical pulps. Uh, for Bison Press for the University of uh, Nebraska uh, in in terms of getting uh, uh, lamb collected and put out. And then um, Goodman Games, the game maker, uh, actually is the publisher of Tales of the Magician's Skull. It's a fun magazine. Uh, they do, they try to go for the pulpy feel of the paper. Um, and it's uh, actually old school magazine size. So, and it's got it's an exciting cover. Yeah, no, um, it um, they've actually been landing good artists. This is a San Julian cover, and San Julian is uh, a popular fantasy artist. 
It's a good samurai. Yeah, yeah. And that's actually, uh, if Maple Leaf was here, he would recognize C.L. Werner. Hmm. And it's a, it's his uh, character, I believe the name is Shintaro Oba. And uh, he has a number of stories. He's one of the writers who actually will appear in a number of these issues. And uh, this one is Demon Rats, where he's... Sold already. Going after demon rats. So there and <laughs> oh, you know what? Truth in advertising. Yeah, there you go. There, there are some, there are some very cool. So this one, I was a little skeptical at first oh. because my hero James Inga, who's been, who's done the magnificent Morlock stories, which I think are the, the best resurgence of sword and sorcery in our our modern time. He's been appearing with a Morlock story in every issue up until this one. So I was like, these, uh, these have actually, these stories have actually gone very well. Jason Carney does a story about the, his character is called The Rogue. And he goes up against an individual uh, in the, the Sorcerer's Mask. This is kind of old school, uh, weird, pulpy, like Jack Vance or Clark Ashton Smith. Even though the rogue is a bit of a badass, it's less it's less uh, violent fighting and more about exploring a bit of the weird, which is kind of uh, cool. And uh, gentleman Mark DeSantis does a Vietnam vet who ends up in a strange fantasy world and has oh, to deal with it. I like those. Which is, which was actually interesting. One of the fun things that this uh, magazine also does is at the end they have the Monster's Pit. Uh, Goodman Games does the uh, Dungeon Crawl Classics RPG, which yes. is a D&D variant uh, role-playing game. Uh, very much inspired by the old school pulpy style of writing and uh, uh, original D&D. And what they do is they will build um, character stats for the characters that are in the stories for the game. I like that. So, That's a great idea. Yeah, it's actually, it's fun. So, you know, you get uh, things like here we have Tesso, the type one demon from Demon Rats, or uh, one of my favorite names, Self-Reconstructing Skeleton from the Black Pearl of the Sunken Lands. So I like that they kept the whole types of demons, type one, type yeah, two. That's yeah. called. True so, classic. So it's, um, it's, a, it's a good magazine, um, Tales from the Magician's Skull, edited by Howard Andrew Jones. How much does an issue run? Uh, fourteen ninety nine. Worthwhile for what you get there. That's real yeah. nice. So it's not even fifteen bucks. Nice. How do you like that? I like it a lot. It's a soft cover. I know a lot of people were put off by the hardcover of the New Age Sword and Sorcery thing. Barry was put off by the hardcover of the Sword. I just, you guys, you guys, you guys. I gotta admit, I'd rather have a soft cover cover of it. Yeah. Of a short story I'm, collection. I'm actually uh, intrigued by the whole hardcover magazine thing. There is a gentleman, uh, actually a husband-wife couple, Dean Wesley Smith and Christine Catherine Rush, who edited something called Pulp House, which was a hardcover 
pulp magazine from the 80s. And that was big. I don't know if it was quarterly or what. I don't think it was monthly because it was like it was like hardcover book thick. Oh. So, wow. yeah. Can you even and call that a magazine at that point? They uh, they they called it a magazine. It was very it was very interesting. Very very interesting to win. The way that the way that all went. Was it just stories or did it also have like articles and essays as well? I think it had articles as well. Okay. You know, those publishers and editors, even the ones you like, they can't keep their mouth shut. <laughs> they got a talky talk. That's one of the things I like about Magician Skull because sure. we have some commentary on sword and sorcery in there. So I still subscribe to Cemetery Dance. Same there thing. you go, yeah. So, so yeah, that's uh, that's what I've been doing in and around agonizing over work because because work because work is cray. It yeah. is very cray. So it's it's been an interesting time, and also preparing for this weekend where um, if you happen to be in Vegas, uh, we will be doing the memorial for my buddy Vernon at McMullen's. Uh, 12 noon to 3 p.m. on Sunday, this Sunday coming up after this uh, this episode drops. So um, it was really funny. I can't get too spoilery because people will cry. But people were crying, as uh, Jeff mentioned, when Picard came up. Because there was something in there that a lot of us were like, oh, you know what, Vernon would have loved that. Yep. Except he wouldn't have, because he wouldn't have watched it. <laughs> yeah. Because he would have. Very he, true. He would have been a. He would have been a total ass about not about refusing to watch it. But and it was so funny. Oh God, Todd. Everybody's just posting on Facebook. Oh my God. Oh my God. This episode. I'm crying. I'm crying. Oh. And it's just like, jeez, oh, you people. They're for crying out loud. That's what Jeff did. Yeah. Yeah. I mean. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not gonna lie. There's, there's some moments that got me pretty good. Oh man, there's there, when when we finally get out of spoiler zone. There is one thing I definitely want to talk about. Yeah, maybe maybe we need to make a a spoiler talk for the Kofi on this. Yeah, one. yeah. Because uh, well, the final episode drops at midnight tonight. Oh so shit! By the time this airs. Uh, at least I will have watched the, Ooh, the finale yeah. of Picard. He I, will have watched it, and I've got some catching up to do. Yeah, I was yeah. gonna say both of you do, right? Yeah, I yeah, I'm not up on the last episode, but I am. I'm uh, not up on the last two seasons. Yeah. Oh well, yeah, I dude, I was ready to, I was ready to not start the the third season because the second one, I it was a bit like, ugh, hmm. I was it, it just wasn't. And then uh, people talked enough about the third season that I was like, all right, all right, I'll give it a fucking try. And I was like, oh, okay. Oh, all right. Imagine that. You gave the fans what they want. Yeah. Oh, you, you just be careful there, Mr. Man Baby. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Speaking of man babies. Oh. News you don't give a shit about. Oh, uh, no. Jeff. Boo. There's no getting away from it. Nope. Even last week when it was just you and I. <laughs> Oh, you're lucky. You're lucky uh, Todd's back because yeah. there actually is a follow-up to what I talked about. Oh, no. <laughs> but anyway. Which I'm very interested in. But <laughs> news you don't give a shit about. Oh, and, and you're going to embrace this one. A TV series based on the best-selling Twilight books by Stephanie Meyer is in early development at Lionsgate Television. Uh, Meyer's expected to be involved. There's no writer attached to the project yet, nor has 
Lionsgate sought out a potential buyer. Uh, Twilight is a major component of Lionsgate's IP. The, mm. the films, which ended in 2012 with mm. Breaking Dawn Part 2, they gross more than $3.4 billion globally and launched the careers of its stars, uh, Kristen Stewart, uh, Robert Pattinson, Taylor Lautner, more of the first two than the last. Lionsgate also what? owns the Hunger Games franchise, which it is continuing to expand this year with the release of The Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes in November. So if uh, you said, hey, I like that Twilight, I want to see it done, but better, it's coming. Wow. I feel like lately when they drop these press releases, it's more of like a feeler to see if there's anybody interested in it because it always, it always the second line is always just like what you said. There's no writer, no director, yeah, uh, no scripts yet. It's just an idea. It's like, I, I also love the way you read that, Todd, because you were just like, Stephanie Meyer is involved. And it almost sounded like you were going to say, because no other writer will be. <laughs> Just the way you said that, it was kind of funny. Because so many of these projects just don't happen. And yeah. like, they get the press announcement, two years later, nothing. Right. But we've had many of those yeah. on the yeah. show over the years. We've greenlit exactly. a few of yes, them. Yes, exactly. <laughs> I was just going to say, we've green greenlit many a project that has yeah. never happened. Well, you know what? Hey. Even though we always say in red light, green light, these are things that are happening, these are things that are in the works. Yes. Sure. And then they fade into obscurity. They fade, man. Yeah. Uh, you know we're what? gonna we're gonna come across one of those in this show. I, I, oh, oh dear. I don't. I I I have to say. You know what? Uh, in this world, I'm happy if someone can make a buck. God, sure. You know, God bless Stephanie Meyer. She found a thing, and and you know what's really weird is when you it. This was sort of like. Uh, Frozen and what's the one with the redheaded archer girl? Um, Brave, Brave. Um, I, I see young. Yeah, yeah. I think it's Brave. Uh, I see young women talk about. Oh, I really enjoyed this, and I could watch it with my younger sister and my mom. And I talked about it, and I'm like, oh, you know what? Okay, fine. And Jesus Christ, I still remember when I was hearing about. Uh, Twilight for the first time and my buddy was like yeah yeah I had to watch that it took the daughter to see it she and her friends and you know and they were just they they were all about it so it was just like well Torgo can tell you that first year they what? had it <laughs> yes Torgo that you can first year they had it at Comic Con in Hall H we were we were parked in the garage that's right next to uh, the San Diego Convention Center mm. and I I took a picture and I posted it online and I you know I don't know where that picture is these days. But that was one of the longest lines for Hall H I had ever seen sure up to that point going to Comic-Con and it didn't just go like down and around the corner. Mm -hmm. It looped back on itself. There were people in tents right sleeping in that line. Oh that, yeah, you there know? were people in that line that were for that, because that show was later on in Hall H. Yes. Uh, if you don't know, in Comic-Con, Hall H is the big hall where all the massive uh, shows are, the, all the Marvel shows are there, Star Wars, mm. Twilight. They, the Twihards, Twilight yes. Moms, yeah. yes. whatever they call themselves, camped overnight to be early in that line so they could get into that hall not for the first thing in the morning, but so they could have it camped out so they could be there the thing later on in the day, yeah. which was that. Oh, because I remember people bitching about 
they had to p- go through that line to get to their thing that was before it. Yep. Yes. Yes, they did. Indeed. And a lot of people didn't get to see things in Hall H because the Twihards <laughs> were camped out in that room. Do you remember? We, we interviewed a couple of them that were oh, in yes. that line. Yes, we did. Do you remember what the longest day? Was it three days or something like that they had been camped out? I don't remember. It was point. something ridiculous. Like three days before. Wow. But you know the what? The actual event they were camped out on. It is a fandom. It is a passionate fandom. And yeah, I support I mean, that 100%. Well, yeah, you know, it did. Uh, I don't get it, but hey, part of either. growing up is understanding you don't have to get it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Growing up means learning that not everything is made for you. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Star Wars people embrace it. Yeah, really. Yep. That and you are not made for everything. Yes. Yeah. It's just, it, yeah. But Some yeah. things you'll think you will love, you will hate. Some things you'll think you will hate, you will love. And some things you think you will hate... Oh, you'll fucking hate it. But Indeed. There you go. Someone will love it, and that's what matters. Yep. And the thing that you love and you love loving when you're loving it. Some people will hate you for loving it. <laughs> <laughs> you like that thing? Fuck you. You're, oh, you're an awful person. You're not a like, true really? fan. Ugh. Fucking gatekeepers. <laughs> I'm so sick of the gate. So given what we said there, yes. hold that on to your heart okay. as we go into the next story. News what? you don't give a shit about. Uh. What? A reboot of the 90s TV series Baywatch is in the works at Fremantle. Mm. But of course it is. Uh, uh, the beach drama show was among the most popular mm. of its time, running for 11 seasons, including a move to Hawaii for later seasons, becoming <sighs> a, one of the most watched shows in the world. Uh, particularly internationally, before launching the Baywatch Nights spinoff. Mm. Uh, there is also Baywatch Hawaiian Wedding, a two-year, reu- uh, t- sorry, two-hour reunion, no, like two years, <laughs> two-hour reunion movie that aired on Fox. And of course, the uh, Dwayne Johnson and Zac Efron 2017 movie. Ah, yes, Lifting the Refrigerators. Uh, well, it was a spoof, so I mean, oh. it's... Jeez. It's watchable, but barely. Mm. Hold on to the surprise part of your brain when I what? say that no one is attached yet to the new series. It's an early no development. <laughs> uh, but the studio assures it is moving forward. Uh, we got to name this. Um, uh, it's uh, it's uh, in Gunter status. Gunter status is no one is attached as yet. So w- when something is I'm announced... When something is announced okay. like this and okay. no one is attached, or that one name, Stephanie Meyer, and that's it. It's in it, Gunter status. It's in Gunter status. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> sure, why not? I'm glad you embrace it, Jeff. Uh, <laughs> and because I, you embrace it, I embrace it. I never understood the Baywatch love. It was such a basic show. <laughs> And that's the nicest thing I can say about it. I do have to give credit where credit is due, though, because Hasselhoff and his production company saw something early on, and man, did they profit off of it for 11 oh, oh, plus yes. years. Isn't it weird when there's like that one person that's like, oh, yeah, I saw something, and I knew we were going to have something amazing. Well, and, I mean, and you're like, what yeah. the fuck are you talking about? Yeah. And, you know, $5 billion later, you're like, oh, <laughs> Wow, because it was um, it was original on NBC. I remember when it launched on NBC, mm-hmm. and it was a very different show. Uh, I think they didn't even get one full season out of it, if I remember correctly. Really, and I watched it just because it was Hasselhoff, and it was not long after 
Knight Rider was over, and I was just kind of curious to see what he was doing. And then the NBC version was okay, mm. but then when it got canceled, no way in hell did I think it was going to get put into syndication and become this phenomenon. Syndication. That that really, it just puts the sin. Well, yeah, that... that that late 80s, early 90s, where everything that yeah. suddenly became popular was popular because it was in syndication, yeah. and you well, could put it just about anywhere at any time. Once it, it was that, that weird cable phenomenon of yeah. 500 channels, and, it, and yeah. And news you don't give a shit about. If you stepped off the Walking Dead train, just know that we still haven't seen the caboose. <laughs> AMC has announced that another spinoff based on The Walking Dead is in the works. Uh, the franchise chief's content officer, Scott Gimple, is overseeing a project that promises more tales in the form of a scripted six-part series. Gimple previously co-created The Walking Dead World Beyond, which ran for two seasons and delved into the Civic Republic military, the mysterious organization that was glimpsed in the main show and Fear of the Walking Dead, and Tales of the Walking Dead, the anthology series that told different stories across six self-contained episodes. And beyond this show, there's the Negan and Maggie-fronted outing The Walking Dead Dead City, uh, Daryl Dixon's standalone series, and Rick and Michonne's small screen return, all in the works. Someone out there is a huge fan of The Walking Dead, and I'm sure they're very happy for this. That that person is watching all of them. Yeah. I just feel like AMC is creating new ways to beat a dead horse at this point. You're saying The Walking Dead won't die? Oh, yeah. It's undying? Yeah. It's an undead series. <laughs> <laughs> Literally. See, so the, the Brain series is done, right? They had the final yeah. episode of the original series. Yeah. All right, and then I think the second one's done too, right? Fear the Walking yeah, Dead. Yeah, Fear the Walking done. Dead. I, I don't know if they've aired the final episode, but I know it it was supposed to be final season if it hasn't already happened. I've kind of lost track, to be honest. Yeah, sure. Uh, this is another potential series for me and my wife. Really? Oh. All right, All right. now I I stopped watching. Uh, Jeff and I pretty much stopped watching at the same time. The famous yeah. Negan episode. Um, yeah, I think I only got like a couple episodes past that, and I was just like, it's I don't know. It just didn't hold any interest to me anymore because it always felt like the first few seasons there was, you know, even with all the terrible, terrible stuff that was going on, that there was still a glimmer of hope. But it really felt like that Negan season. It was just like, you know what? There's no more hope because mm -hmm. even the people that survive are going to be the worst people that you're ever going to find. There's never going to be any sunlight shining on, you know, the, the one or two good people that are there. It was the, the, the darkest before the yeah. dawn, and there was no more dawn. Exactly, exactly. That's what I was trying to say, but couldn't However, get the words. However, uh, the thing that intrigues me with this, knowing where I stopped, and yeah. plenty of you out there know why this happened. I don't. But uh, the fact that the uh, one of the series that they're working on is Dead City, and that is starring Negan and Maggie, mm. that says a lot about the character growth of those two. Knowing yeah. of that episode, you know the, what I'm talking the, about. The character growth of Negan, yeah. <laughs> well, I, I saw on YouTube the like the what some bullshit forgiveness thing or something between Rick and Negan or something. And I forget exactly how it went, and it was just like I, I can't. Uh, whatever. I don't know. I don't. I just. I now I haven't watched it. So sure. there yeah. you go. But I can't buy Negan as redeemable. Yeah, exactly. 
and am so. impressed that they've gotten this far. And I do want to return to the series. I want to start it from one and oh dear. watch yeah, watch it with my wife if she can get past that episode cuz I know that's going to be a challenge. Mm. I just yeah, I'm with you Kirsten. I don't see how that character is redeemable, not just because of what he did, but how he did it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you know, the two characters back to back, two beloved characters. Um Right. And how he did and, it, yeah, it was exactly. Just like, you know, if it was, if it and was, the sheer delight that he took in doing it, that's, exactly. That's really hard to have a character have their quote unquote come to God moment. Mm-hmm. I just, I don't see how you do that, Un- unless, unless the the series is about he never gets that. You know, Maybe he 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 he's like he's working for redemption, but it's just never going to be there for him. Yeah. But I don't well, know. The comics <clears throat> continued for many issues beyond yeah. that point. Yeah, so. but he was he was chained up in a basement, <laughs> wasn't he? At some point, sure. <laughs> in, in the comics, afterward, it was sort of like it. What, that was supposed to be like a surprise revelation, or it's something. It's like, oh wow, they've got Negan chained up in the basement. Unless I'm thinking of the governor, I might be thinking of the governor. I can't remember. For I sure. confuse their assholes. So there's a bunch of assholes. Yes, I know. I saw the the on YouTube. I watched the one thing with the the uh, whisperers. Yes, when they uh, post put, that's post Negan. Yeah, and they uh, like at some point they staked out their territory with the heads of some characters or something, and it was supposed to be a big emotional moment. And this is after I think Michonne came back. I think okay, and uh, I was just like, ooh, well, my goodness. To this day, I'm still impressed with what Walking Dead did. Mm-hmm. As a comic book and as a TV series. Yeah. Just the idea. Yeah. Uh, because, yes, zombies have played themselves out for many. And have and some already played themselves out before The Walking Dead came on as a show. Yeah. yeah it was yeah, yeah. everywhere. We were talking about that years sure. and years ago. Yeah. But I will always be impressed that somebody said, hey... Why don't we take one of these zombie novels or zombie movies and then continue the story? What else happened to these people in this zombie world? Mm -hmm. And how bad did it get? Yeah. And good on them. Good on them for making it work. The concept concept was the zombies are not the monsters. Yes. But that was always the... From the first right. zombie movie, and we're not talking white zombie, we're the voodoo zombies. We're talking, <laughs> you know, Night of the Living Dead on the Walking Living Dead thing. Yeah. So weekend geek. Oh, Woo-hoo. okay. Wow. A bit of an advertisement to begin uh, again. Kofi members level four and above, you get a, a, an advertisement a month. Feel free to use it any way you like. That's what it's there for. Of course, you know, I'm not going to say awful, you know, good shit about Hitler or something like that. You got to be smart about it. But, you know, if you got something to say, this is your place if you want to put it in there. If you have something you want to push yourself or something you really enjoy, this is your place to do it. Now, I realize that J.R. Kunkel has written out some banger ads Mm -hmm. and it's intimidated some of you to not use it. That he's not setting the bar. Use it as you will. It's there for you. And uh, and I appreciate you writing them in. And, of course, that, that being said, here's a J.R. Conkle advert. <laughs> Although he's taking a little different track this what? time. What? Yeah. He, uh, hmm. So uh, I will just uh, 
read from his his ad copy. Instead of something comical or perhaps sinister, I thought I would use this month's advert to share some experience and information based on some of the discussions that have taken place on the show. Amazon ratings and reviews are a mystery for many, further complicated by vast amounts of competing information. Here is what I've heard, what I've experienced, and what I believe to be the case. I've heard that the mystical target number to reach is 50, maintaining an average of 4.5 or higher. And I'm not clear if that is 50 ratings or 50 reviews, but I think it's ratings. Unless an author has a lot of ratings, a single three-star or lower rating will greatly cripple their ability to maintain a 4.5 average. For reference, I have 82 ratings and 35 reviews on book one. I have just north of a 4.5 average. Once a person reaches that mystical number, it's believed that Amazon starts suggesting your books in its algorithm. Essentially, free advertising. Mm. Paid for by... Uh, uh, paid for Amazon advertising, by the way, works as a marketplace. You provide Amazon with the amount you're willing to pay for a click. You can lowball that number, but if you're in a competitive genre like fantasy, others are likely to outbid you, which will get their advert prior- prioritized over yours. You are billed every time a new customer clicks through the advertisement. For example, uh, I, as a J.R. Kunkel, I generate the an advertisement and tell Amazon I'll pay a dollar per click through. I lose money unless I can convert an average of a dollar in sales after everyone takes their cut per person who clicks through my page. When I played with Amazon advertising on my own, I didn't get a lot of click through and zero conversions. So I maybe lost 60 bucks over the course of a few months. When my publisher worked with me to run a $300 campaign at the end of 2022, we burned through my 300 bucks and more from the publisher in a matter of weeks. There were conversions, but not nearly enough. Thinking it through, you're essentially punished for a good advertising campaign if folks aren't enthused by what they find after they click through. In support of the mystical number being 50-plus ratings and a 4.5 average, my publisher recently started offering to pay for Amazon advertising through royalty advances, but only for with ti- only for titles with 50 plus ratings and a 4.5 or greater average so there must be something to that number and by the way the shock monkey community is a huge part of me making that number and consequently qualifying for a royalty advance so thanks I promise I'll do a disgusting and maybe funny ad next month uh, <laughs> note I can only guarantee disgusting JR Conkle. And again, if you haven't read his books, Citadel of the Fallen, Gathering the Fallen, Flight of the Falling, The Crumbling, Crumbling City, and The Sundered City is going to be released on eight, uh, the uh, August 3rd of 2023. Yeah. Uh, so, and if you haven't picked them up, do it. And you can get them in a bundle now. So, yeah. So, so grab them up. And uh, uh, he's, uh, he's cranking, folks. Yeah. He's putting them out there. You're not waiting 10 years for the next book. <laughs> Indeed, indeed. So, so, so thank you, Conkle, for the ad copy. You're, I, I love your ads. And this one uh, actually taught me something on that. So I really, really appreciate that. So, uh, Week in Geek. Warner Brothers Discovery is officially developing a television series for the newly christened Max streaming service. 
that will readapt J.K. Rowling's seven Harry Potter novels. Wait a minute. Is this in the right category? <laughs> per the release, the show is being envisioned as a decade-long undertaking with a new cast and, quote, the same epic craft, love, and care this global franchise is known for. Each season will be based on a different book in the magical collection. Max's commitment to preserving the integrity... Again, I'm reading ad copy. <laughs> Max's commitment to preserving the integrity of my books is important to me, and I'm looking forward to being part of this new adaptation, which will allow for a degree of depth and detail only afforded by a long-form television series, unquote, added Rowling, who is on board as an executive producer. Isn't that rolling? Sure, why not? The books were translated <laughs> into eight blockbuster films and made more than $9 billion. Take that, Twilight, yeah. at the worldwide box office and kicked off a Hollywood scramble to find the next great young adult film franchise. So, Harry Potter yes. being redone as a right. TV series, yes. ongoing, 10-year mm. mission. Mm. What's your thoughts? Well, first of mm. all, I, I, I want to... Put this out there, this caveat that uh, Kate doesn't care for Harry Potter in general. I get it. You just just never clicked. Never clicked yeah. with you. I'm not, I'm not it, a. It, it never really clicked. I'm not with me a either. YA guy. I certainly defended it back in the day because even though it didn't speak to me, I felt like people were giving it unjust criticism because, you know, having been there myself younger being mm -hmm. attracted to geeky things and then you know having people make fun of me for it unjustly it's it's it always felt like the fan base i mean as the fan base grew it became less and less necessary to defend them because they were able to defend themselves but wow. uh, i remember the early days um like i believe it was when the first book came out uh one of the local bookstores was having a a release party and people were were dressed up as best as they could. You know, this is before the movie came out. Right. So people were dressed up as best they could based on the descriptions of the uh, the outfits in mm -hmm. the books. And I remember there was huge fervor in Kansas about this. Just people were losing their minds. Oh, it's it's, it's a gateway to devil worship. And it's just, <laughs> I'm, I'm like, where have I heard this before? Oh, yeah, yeah. And yes. I'm like, look, Dungeons and Dragons didn't ruin me by by playing it when I was a teenager. It's certainly not going to ruin these kids. Um, yeah. Having said all that, again, it just was a series that didn't really speak to me. Um, I do have some thoughts about you know Rowling being involved in this, given mm. kind of her stance on social issues as of late. Um, I, I get even, it, but even when they're not going to do it without her. Yeah, yeah. They're well. I think contractually they can't. Yeah, because I know, like, even with Universal Studios and their um, contract with Warner's for the Harry Potter usage uh, in their parks, they have to get direct approval from her for anything they wish to do. So she's got it pretty well locked down tight. So. It, I guess, just depends on how much Warner wants to make more money off of this this franchise. Because that's what it is. It is a franchise. Yeah. that it, it, Television, a television adaption makes sense. So, I mean, in that regard, it's totally there. It's like, and some kids, 
are gonna be really fucking lucky. Some yeah. people are gonna subscribe to Max for it. Yeah, and, and yep. frankly, there's not a lot of things to subscribe to Max for right now. So no. I mean, and those kids are going to be locked into something when they're so young that they're still going to have an entire career ahead of them when it's all done. God. It's just, going to, it's just amazing to think about there. I'm trying to remember the exact wording, but somebody was just talking about the, the rename to Max. It's like, so they raised the price. They changed to these multiple subscription tiers. Yeah. And the tagline was, Hey, join Max, not HBO Max anymore, and come listen to a stream or watch a streaming service that not only have we taken a good percentage of our content away, we've raised the price and given you less for your dollar. Yeah. <laughs> to the max. Uh, it, it's something along those lines. Oh, sure. But it pulled, it, it had out me so much content, they lost part of their name doing it. Yeah. I, I think it might have been John Oliver. <laughs> I think it might have been on last week tonight because I know he kind of laid into them. Did the, he always lays into them. I did the them. Max oh, yeah. come from uh, Cinemax? You know, when it was the HBO Cinemax uh, pairing, or is 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 there just I, something else? I don't think that was the origin of it. I think it was just. I think it's them. the whole par- like Paramount Plus. Oh wait, yeah, no. Uh, well, it was all yeah okay because there was the HBO West, HBO East, HBO, right. and that still exists. But HBO. Knows. Okay, so I guess that. All right, but the uh, whole idea is HBO knows dropping HBO and just keeping Max. Yeah, it's like Paramount just calling themselves Plus. Right there, you go. Hey, that's okay. In another ten years, we're gonna be shock. Could be yes, very much. We're gonna add an exclamation point though. (laughs) That's right. Uh, As a fan of the books, uh, I, I agree. Rowling has her issues, and I will always call her Rowling. <laughs> Fige. And, uh, Fige. Uh, but I, I feel the same way about her books, as I also have an issue with Orson Scott Card, mm. and I enjoy his books as well. It's, it's, that, uh, it's that really weird way where you're like, do you support the artist? Support the art, not the artist, and that whole—that's the the unsolvable riddle. Yeah, and for some, it's a step too far, and I get it. And that's and if it's a step too far to you, by all means, by all means, mm. uh, there's it's, it was a step too far for some people. They won't play a Hogwarts Legacy. I get it, yeah. absolutely. Uh, I do enjoy the Harry Potter universe. Uh, I was turned on to the books, but when they released the third one, I started reading the first one and found them charming. And then by the third book, found them good. And right. from there, I mean, the it was interesting reading a series, and the movies did this too, that the writing grew up with the kids. Mm-hmm. Where the first books, I mean, the first books are children's books through and through. Yeah. But by the time you hit the fourth book, it starts to turn to what now you would call a young adult book. Mm-hmm. And by the time you hit the last book, uh, it's a it's an adult book, and that was an interesting exercise of just the watching the writing grow along with that. And I don't necessarily think that was the choice. I think that was literally her writing getting better over time. Mm-hmm. But it was impressive to feel that along the way. And uh, and Jeff will attest to this. I, I lost a lot of sleep 
at Comic-Con Jeez, yeah. because that last book came out during Comic-Con. So we'd get back to the room and I'd start reading that for hours on end. I remember one night I, like, I woke up, I rolled over, he's got the... The light on in the bathroom because it just was it's just enough that it would come around the corner that he could read the book without it waking me up and I looked over and I'm like, Are you still reading that? He's like, I'm almost done. I only have like three more chapters to go. I'm like, Oh my God. You're not gonna get any sleep tonight. No, 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 I'm gonna go to sleep as soon as I finish this. I only got three more chapters to go. Yeah, three more hours to sleep. Yeah. He he basically stayed up all night mm-hmm. reading that book. So I'm down for this. Uh, I think the movies are good. I don't think the movies are great. I think there's some neat ideas in there, but the neat ideas in the book and the movies are the neat ideas from the book. And there was a lot of book left on the screenplay page and that were not in the films. So, yeah, giving this the long screen treatment, please, yeah, do that. There's some really clever, fun ideas there. They're fun characters and a lot of stuff uh, like the poltergeist that really should be explored. That, um, the... uh that's the thing that I'll hear. I started the first book. I think I did the first book, maybe the second. I did him in audio book because I just couldn't read them. And eventually I just I just couldn't do it. And I, I, so I just kind of faded out. But hearing people talk about the world building, having watched the movies, and people talking about the characters, and when you start hearing about some of her character development where, you know, it's like, oh, yeah, when this happened and you realize, oh, my God, three books ago, that was sort of the seed was planted. It's sort of like you got to tip your hat to that. That's some that's some pretty, uh, pretty awesome uh, it, writing there. It certainly does seem like the message is sound with the books, just the messenger Oh yeah, very imperfect. Well, and it's—I um, mean—and that that discussion is, of course, uh, uh, part of the thing that I could sort of see coming with the with the trans community. It was just sort of like there are going to be some some left wing women who are actually going to going to have something to say, and it's sort of like as a guy, it's just like. I, I, you know, I'm going to step aside and let the discussion happen on the one hand. Right. But on the other hand, it's like, I don't have to understand somebody to get the hell out of their way and let them live. Right. So even if I, and, and I understand transgender a lot better now than I did, say, 10 years ago, but I still, there's still is so much, you know, to grasp, but it's like, it's it's also, it's not necessary. I don't need, yeah. to, I don't need to understand a damn thing to get out of your way and yeah, let no you live. Yeah, no one needs my permission for yeah, them you, to live their life. You don't, exactly. Yeah, you don't need to understand what they're necessarily going through to still be respectful to them. Right, and so, so they're, Or to you know, anybody for that matter. Mm-hmm. So, exactly, to anybody. So it's sort of, it's just like, okay, I think there is a discussion that has to happen between uh, women and transgendered women, uh, and tra- transgender in general. But uh, I don't. I'm at the same time. I'm not entirely on her side because there's a there's. It seems so much that comes out is alienating, and it's yeah. just it's just. <clears throat> I don't. Yeah. So. 
as a cisgendered straight guy, you know, we're in the zone of, hey, basically this whole world has been built around us. Right. So I think a lot of it is is us getting out of the way. Yeah. I don't know. Like or just being back. supportive in general. Yes. Saying, hey, yeah. I support you and, you know, mm-hmm. however. Right. Because um, ultimately, I just, I can't speak to her experiences or transgendered experiences. I can't, I can't. So it's just like, uh, yeah, I don't know. I'm not articulating it very well. but I think you are. So anyway, yeah. As Paramount Pictures is still trying to figure out what to do with their Star Trek movies, Paramount Plus announced that they are developing a movie titled Star Trek Section 31. The project was originally developed as a series that we have talked about in the past, but is now retooled as a streaming movie. Michelle Yeoh (laughs) will reprise her role in the movie as Emperor Philippa Georgiou. And it will follow the character as she joins, quote, a secret division of Starfleet tasked with protecting the United Federation of Planets. But she also faces the sins of her past, unquote. It turns out that Star Trek Section 31 may be the first of many Star Trek movies coming to Paramount+. Plus, According to a report from the Hollywood Reporter, the studio is looking to release Star Trek movies every two years. The report says, sources say 31 is being envisioned as Mission Impossible meets Guardians of the Galaxy, which is, with the big scope of both films, would be doing a a weekly series, a larger challenge. The plan, sources note, is for Kurtzman and company to do Star Trek made-for-streaming movie every two years for Paramount+. Plus. Unquote. Good luck after Kurtzman is fired. (laughs) Any day now. How many times has he been fired? Um, Yeah. (laughs) You know what would just make my heart grow two sizes? Is if Kathleen Kennedy and Kurtzman switched roles. Mm. (laughs) I would love that. There you go. Just just a feed on the tears. I just want them to, to join up and create a new franchise. There you go. Trek Wars. Oh, yeah. Join them. Put them in the same universe. <laughs> Let them eat that. There you go. Oh, I mean, I think it, uh, honestly, I think it's a good thing. Kirky one Kenobi. I can get behind <laughs> it all. <laughs> Admiral Kennedy. <laughs> um. Yeah. Well, I'm. I. I. I wouldn't be the least bit surprised if it was sort of like, oh my God, Oscar winner, and she's and her agents like, yeah. No series for you. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, <laughs> you're doing movies. Once you're an Oscar winner, you're in demand. So yeah, exactly. Availability mm-hmm. is probably narrow. So unspoken, but not improbable. Yeah, yep. yeah. But <clears throat> that's okay. She's a uh, oh boy. Who would have thought? I mean, remember back when Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon came out, and it was just like, wow, that's just some amazing stuff. And then you start researching, and it's like, holy crap, Michelle Yeoh. Has been kicking ass and taking names for a while, yeah. and and that whole thing, and then we culminate, won't well, culminate. I mean, we've arrived at this point. It's just a maze balls. Yeah, absolutely. MGM's extensive film and TV catalog was the main driver behind Amazon's eight point five billion dollar acquisition of the studio. 
Since the deal closed in March 2022, Amazon Studio has been sifting through MGM's library, identifying about a dozen initial titles for film and or TV development, including RoboCop, mm. Stargate, mm. Legally Blonde, <laughs> Fame, Barbershop, The Magnificent Seven, Pink Panther, and The Thomas Crown Affair. Each title is being approached differently, some being steered toward film, some being toward television, and some big ones are getting both movie and TV treatment. For, exa for example, uh, Amazon Studios is in active early conversations on Legally Blonde, both for a movie and potentially a TV series. Uh, there's also been on and off efforts to get a third Legally Blonde film off the ground for the past five years. Amazon has similar plans for Stargate. Both film and TV installments are considered, with a movie likely going first. RoboCop also being talked about for both film and TV, with a TV show possibly first, according to Deadline. The nearly 100-year-old studio has had multiple owners as well as financing partners for many of its best-known movies. They reportedly kept much of their archive hundreds of feet underground in a salt mine in Kansas that housed deleted scenes of movies such as 2001 A Space Odyssey and unmade scripts from Woody Allen, Samuel Beckett, and Stanley Kubrick's infamous Napoleon script. Mm. So some of the problems what's keeping some of this going is because of that long history. It's a long legal history. So there's multiple owners of multiple things. And so that's going to drag the feet on some of this. But that's what they are working on currently. Yeah, and then even previous owners of MGM sold off rights to things that got very murky after the initial sale, like who actually owns the rights to property A, B, or C. So, yeah, absolutely. It's it's going to take some time. I know the Stargate uh, fan community was initially very excited about the fact that we were going to get more uh, Stargate, both television and movies, but then like the initial details released were very murky. So it's like, okay, are we actually getting something or are you just exploring making <gasps> something? Uh, Gunter status. Gunter status. Status? This all is Gunter. on Gunter status. Yeah. Well, because uh, Brad Wright, who was one of the original developers of the TV series, had said there were some initial talks to do a new series with him. And then that faded away. And uh, I believe it was late last year. Somebody asked him again what the update was with that. And he said, I don't know anything. We had some good meetings and then all of us, with Amazon and then all of a sudden nothing. So mm. who knows? Maybe they've decided to go in a different direction. Didn't they already reboot fame? Didn't that happen like in the last so. 15 years? I thought so. Because it was so. like a movie or something. Maybe it was just like a, a theatrical. I was thinking it was a TV show that just didn't find its legs yeah i mean it's possible i there was okay okay there was a tv show yeah well, i know there was the tv show in the 80s right right uh, but i'm talking a, a rebooted in the aughts i remember hearing about that. okay didn't we even talk about that i possibly do i boy i can like jeff i can barely remember what we talked about last week <laughs> much less what we talked about a decade ago well you talked about nothing last week uh, oh oh i talked there was just no one to hear me oh. Oh. gotcha Okay. <laughs> you know, I, I, yeah. um, this, this does bring to mind for a, an antidote that is antidote. barely has anything to do with any of this. Mm. Uh, but I'm going to bring it up just anyway. Uh, 
the Thespian Conference. Mm -hmm. Uh, If you're not familiar, it is a nationwide getting together of young actors from all over the country into one place. Back then, it was Ball State University in Muncie, Indiana. Everybody came there, and you would take classes, and you would watch productions of various high school shows that were deemed worthy enough to perform there. And if you were really worthy, they brought you to the main stage. It was there that I had to, uh, that I did my audition to getting into the University of Evansville for their uh, theater program. But remember one year, we were very excited because the Broadway cast of the upcoming Fame musical (laughs) was going to present it to us Uh, during one of the last nights of the conference and every night it was a big show it was gonna every there was like a vita and it was just a caucasian chalk circle this big big name shows and but nothing had us like bated breath that we were going to see an actual broadway company perform a broadway show here at thespian conference and so every day we got closer and we waited. And it was going to be after one of the main shows. So we're getting two shows that night. So we sat through that first show. Must have felt bad for those uh, people that had to go in front of fame. Oh, my God. They have to perform before and a fully accredited, unionized Broadway crowd. And then Fame the Musical began. And it was... A seven-minute musical number that was highly underwhelming and then ended. They only gave you seven minutes? They gave us seven minutes, Jeff. Wow. They gave us seven minutes of a song, not even like a medley. It was a song with a dance number in front of big speakers. wasn't even a set. And we all went home disappointed. I would think so. Did you guys think you were actually going to get... Yes, we did, because the description was the cast of the upcoming musical Fame performs Fame. We didn't know it was just the song. <laughs> <laughs> it was, uh, we all learned a lesson that day. Uh, that's awesome. You know what needs to a TV series? What needs a series? Wizard of Oz. Yes, it does. All of that to mind. Yeah, 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 yeah. The uh, the Oz, the Oz. Yes. The Oz, everything. That's a, that's a, that is a series of books. That's people. That's huge. That would totally work, man. Ten ten years. Ha! Peshaw. Fifth. I'm I'm kind of blown away that it has. Is it the return to Oz? Is that what broke it? Because it didn't oh, do well. I don't know that it's broken at all. I don't. I think is it the the original movie that everyone's afraid to touch it? Well, because the they did the, great Oz the Great and Powerful, right? That and that one, did I think. that did good, right? It probably I don't think so because there's no through line. It's not right. one story exactly. It's not you know it's not Dorothy from stem to stern. Right. There's a few Dorothy books, and the rest are all yeah other happenings in Oz. Mm-hmm. So maybe that has a lot to do with it. Maybe Every so. time they look at that, they're like, oh, what happens to Dorothy, though, at this point? I'm kind of reminded of uh, one of the stories I didn't include today, but I'll kind of bring it up today oh, anyway. Oh, oh. Uh, American McGee, uh, 
American McGee's Alice in Wonderland, the video yeah. game based oh, yeah. on that he created so big that he put his name on it. Uh, he says he doesn't want people talking to him about it anymore. Oh, really? And my first thought was like, well, then why'd you fucking put your name on it? Yeah. If you don't want to be known for that game and have people come up and talk to you about that game, then don't call it American McGee's Alice in Wonderland. Yeah. Because that's the only thing I know him by. <laughs> Uh, but apparently, uh, he doesn't own the rights to it. EA owns the rights to it, and oh. he worked hard on a third version. I think Deb talked about they're working on it. Uh, they kiboshed it. Wow. Uh, they they ended all production on it. They're holding on to the rights. They're refusing to sell it back to him, but they're not going to make any more games on it. And so that's the reason he doesn't want it to be brought up, because wow. it's a fucking thorn. What a... That's a rather shitty. Uh, yes, it is. What what happened? But it ha- he that fucked happens somebody's mom, didn't he? <laughs> that kind of thing happens all the time, though. Yes, it does. And also, but not as much. That they've started. People have started letting things go. They let it go. You know. I mean, I, I, the, the, I think yes. That's the thing that if you're not going to make something with it, exactly, sell it. To you the know. person who wants to make something I, with I it. Don't, I, I don't have a, a lot of respect for the ones who are planning something, maybe in the future, so I'm going to hold on to it for 10 years. It's like, you know, screw you, let it go. But at the same time, if you're not planning on doing anything, I think sitting on it is... Yeah, these companies that buy it up with the sole purpose of making sure that nobody else makes exactly. something out of it exactly it's, 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 is that what it is is it's the the fear that if they sell and it does well they didn't make the money i think that, that, that it's I, now their competition that yeah, could be know. part of that corporate mentality it's like well if anybody's going to make money off of it, it's going to be us but, but not right now exactly exactly <laughs> and it's like fuck you guys just let it go you know i don't know i i've had this discussion uh with artists um, in the past where they were just like, well, you know, if I decide that I don't want my art out there, uh, I think I should be able to, you know, suppress it. And I'm just like, I don't have any sympathy for that. It's just like, once it's out, it's out, you know? And uh, I definitely believe you should make money off your art. Yes. But if you actually like make this conscious decision, no, I want this totally just eradicated. I don't I don't want it out there anymore. I'm just like, meh. I don't like that at all. So it's even one step worse though if you you're the artist who made it and you want to make more, but the company who owns it wants it eradicated. <laughs> yeah, no, that I think is totally fucking wrong. Yeah. I just so there there needs to be it's sort of it's sort of like the whole uh, young artist and music industry things when they make the foolish contract to sign away their life rights. There needs to be uh, there actually needs to be a law where that kind of thing is just it's mandatory that after ten years or after twenty years or after X number of years, lifetime whatever gets reviewed regardless because you know. It's just it's crazy. That one of the reasons why I've actually it's funny. I I really I'm not a Swifty, but goddamn I have a lot of respect for Taylor Swift. Yes, boy oh boy did she she fucking just took control and she owns the shit and she did those remasters and you know and it's just like you go I 
you know, her idea or she just has the right staff behind her. I don't give a shit. It's you go, girl. It's just like she and it's just don't be owned. And I, I just uh, I don't know. Where was I going with this? I don't know. I don't know, but I'm with you there, brother. Yeah. So right there, sitting in that nest. Yeah. Warming up that egg. Mm-hmm. What? Paramount Plus is moving forward with its new Star Trek series, Star Trek Starfleet Academy, a project that was announced to be in development last year. The series will introduce us to, quote, a young group of cadets who come together to pursue a common dream of hope and optimism. Under the watchful and demanding eyes of their instructors, they will discover what it takes to become Starfleet officers as they navigate blossoming friendships, explosive rivalries, first loves, and a new enemy that threatens both the Academy and the Federation itself, unquote. Series comes from Alex Kurtzman's Secret Hideout, Roddenberry Entertainment, and CBS Studios. First episode of the series is being written by Gia Violo and will begin production in 2024. I am down for some Degrassi Starfleet. <laughs> you know, I like uh, the idea that they're going with now as opposed to... Uh, like 30 years ago when they were going to do the Starfleet Academy movie series, but it was going to be fo- focused on younger versions of the original series characters. Cause yeah. I'm like, I'm like, why do we need to go back and see those characters again? When you have a much wider array of possibilities, if you just make it a general Starfleet Academy and you can develop new characters and you couldn't necess- you couldn't you wouldn't necessarily rather have to start from the era that Kirk and Spock would have been in the academy you could take it from modern day and you could well, still have cameos from you know existing characters there's also the fact that everybody had different ages yes i mean one of the things about kirk is at the time he was the youngest starfleet captain exactly. historically and he had a rapid rise. And so he, did, to sit there and say, oh, that whole crew, they were in Starfleet at the exact same time. Right. Is hogwash, especially Spock. Spock well, yeah, had, Spock had been with serving Pike for a decade. Was, yeah, like 10 years before he met. Yeah, so it, they're, not, they're not all in the same age. They're not all in the same class. The whole thing was a stupid idea. Yeah. I, I was always, I ended up liking the uh, JJ Trek, but that always irked me. Yeah, that part of it. So, um, but uh, yeah, whatever. All right, fine. Young adult Star Trek. <laughs> All right, go ahead. Like Prodigy for the kids. This oh, one's for the tweens. We my got God. you. Oh Lord, what? Wait, the tweens? Oh, the tweens? No, what? <laughs> Academy. You're supposed to be 18 when you go to the Academy. That's yeah, when you're hunky. Oh God! I just yeah. What this is going to be Hogwarts trek, isn't it? <laughs> Indiana, let it come. Oh man, <laughs> God Almighty! Legendary Entertainment has landed an exclusive license to the live-action film and television rights for the Capcom fighting video game franchise Street Fighter. A feature film is already in development, and all of these projects will be co-developed and produced in conjunction with Capcom. The Street Fighter franchise launched in 1987 and has become one of the most well-known and highest-grossing video game franchises of all time. The next chapter in the franchise, Street Fighter VI, is slated for release June 2nd, 2023. More Street Fighter movie. Bring uh, it on. 
I call those it movies. Wednesday. Those <laughs> movies. <laughs> yeah, the uh, uh, the, the Jean Claude Van Damme movie. Oh uh, my god! Yeah, so horrible. Why? Well, uh, yeah, horrible uh, in a good way though. Well, it's, uh, yeah. it, it was bad, but it was entertaining bad. The only redeeming factor, though, was Raul Julia, and he knew that he was in a bad film, oh, so he, he went to full-on scene-chewing mode. Oh, he ate all that. He ate yes. plaster, all of it. He's like, well, if I'm going to be in something this bad, I'm going to own it, and he yeah. owned it. Uh, Street Fighter Legend of Chun-Li, oh, that was another week, week outing. Well, yeah, that was, that was a... I barely moved. That fe- that felt like an option movie. Yeah, that felt like it, someone was losing their option. They had to make something. Yeah, that really didn't get a, a massive release. It was a no. It was a partial release, and it just wasn't a very solid was, movie. Uh, I I I'm totally befuddled on the Street Fighter thing. Chun Li. Uh huh. Was that Kruik? Kristen Kruk did okay. play okay. Chun Li in the movie because because it, sometimes it's like. No, you're confusing that with a a fan edit that somebody managed to make <laughs> on YouTube, Kirsten, and I'm, you're totally fucking blowing I'm trying it. To remember that if was it probably was, better. <laughs> I'm trying to remember if it was while she was still on Smallville or she had just finished her run on Smallville and and then did I that. I think she but was, I know it was still in. I I know it was height of her popularity. Yes. Yeah. Um and of course the studio capitalized on it by saying, Hey, we're gonna cast you as Chun Li. Yeah. So I don't know. It just it felt like a half-assed attempt at making a decent movie. But now, now is the time. Yeah. Now in this in this world of we are actually treating these mm. properties as not just cash cows, but someone out there has passion about it and actually wants to tell the story. Of story s- of s- sure what how no matter how <laughs> there loose is there is a story, story there. is it's that's there and it, they can tell it with with passion. Fervor, this is the time. It, that, when that first movie was made, that was made the same time as the original Super Mario Brothers. And we know what a crap film that was. What? That was an exploration of a dystopia with... Uh... Oh, it sure was. <laughs> In every way of that word. <laughs> it was even filmed in shit town. <laughs> <laughs> wow. But now, location. but now we have the new Super Mario Brothers movie, which is good. Because yes. someone gave a shit. Exactly. And someone will give a shit about this, hopefully, and make this good. All right. Oh, oh my God. Okay. Like on, uh, I think it was on Ripped Apparel last week, like right after we did our recording, Kay, somebody put out a uh, T-shirt that had Bowser's face on it, and behind Bowser, it just had peaches, 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 peaches. I'm just like, that's awesome. I hear that's that made jo- the billboard. Yes. Now it, it is now Jack Black's most popular song <laughs> ever. Beca- and 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 it's 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 both good and bad in a way because you know he put his heart and soul into the Tenacious D stuff, and this little one-off thing for the movie has become the most popular thing he's ever done musically. That's how life works. It really is. Wow. And we'll finish on this oh potential high note. Okay. It looks like that Galaxy Quest TV series might come to Paramount Plus. Oh yeah, I saw that. There have been attempts to resurrect the franchise for years. Been close a couple times. Tim Allen has never given up trying to make it happen. 
It is currently in the early stages of development, so it's guntered. Uh, Mark Johnson <laughs> is producing the project as of right now. No concept or a writer yet. So ah, guntered. Yep. Uh, we don't even know if Tim Allen will be involved with it. Every attempt to revive well, the franchise so far has been an attempt to continue the story from the film with the same characters and the actors reprising their my roles. God. And it got very close to happening at one point at Amazon. Uh, but right. after Alan Rickman died, it fell yeah. apart. Yeah. Uh, Johnson, I remember that. He worked on the previous attempt, uh, which includes the film's writer, Robert Gordon, the director, uh, uh, was it Dean Parasot? Uh, there was another version being written by Paul Shear and another one by Simon Pegg and succession writer Georgia oh, Pritchett. That's right. Yeah. Uh, but there are no details on this new series, uh, whether it will follow the events of the film, bring back the original cast, or even be an attempt to reboot the story. We don't know. Original cast? But this is in Gunter stage. Yeah. So it's being Gunter. They're, they're all. What are they all going to be tooling around in Captain Pike chairs? <laughs> <laughs> it's just the hey. whole script is boop. If Cobra Kai can do it. <laughs> now, this is this is like the whole movie's conceit. So it's the actors who find themselves you know, on an actual ship going, holy crap, while the aliens are... Assume so. There's a lot of assumption happening. And all we have is an announcement. <laughs> that is all. But... Well, by grab Thor's hammer... What a savings. <laughs> it is a great movie. I I, mm. I, I don't like... What's, what's his name? Tim... Tim Allen? Tim Allen. I don't care for him. I've never cared for his comedy. Never liked his TV show. Yeah. But damn, was he good in Galaxy yes, Quest. Yes, he was really he was good in that. He hit it perfectly. Uh, got it, it, it's, it's always been kind of special in my heart because it came out while we were all in the throes of the experience. Yeah. And... Boy, oh boy, there was just so much to fucking relate to and understand and appreciate. You just, I, I really do feel that, you know, uh, we had a, a unique perspective on what that movie was talking about when it came out. And, and we all just fucking, God, I don't know if there was anyone at the experience who hated it. It was just like. I still remember going to see that in the theater in 99. It was before I moved out here. Ah. Um. I didn't know much about it. Mm -hmm. uh, I just knew that we had a fairly new theater complex built in Lawrence when I was going to college. And that was one of the movies. Because prior to this theater being built, Lawrence is a college town, but it was a fairly decent-sized college town. And we had one movie theater that was only a two-screen theater, which later became like a dollar theater. But they opened this 10-plex they're in town. Ooh. Because a lot of times you if you wanted to see a new movie, you had to drive like thirty miles west to either Topeka or thirty miles east to uh one of the suburbs of Kansas City, Kansas. Or go down to, to the see salt mines to see <laughs> dig out right. some of that treasure. I've actually driven past that salt mine where all the MGM uh, assets are several times. That's actually not far from where my grandparents used go. to live. That's it. Um, almost Andy right there. <laughs> but uh <laughs> But yeah, I, I still remember going to see that in the theater and going, wow, this is one of the best Trek films I've ever seen. <laughs> yes, on top of everything else. Yes, exactly. On top of everything else, it was an excellent Trek movie. I mean, uh, uh, I think a few of us in, back then were just like, Jesus, it, it's sort of like Orville. It's like, that's more Trek than, than Trek's been lately. Yeah. 
And I love I, one of the things I've always loved about it is how the aliens always expect the actors to be like their characters, mm. which is a th- something that a lot of fans do. Mm. And to find when they find out that the actors portraying these characters in many ways are nothing like their characters, right, right. Uh, chaos ensues. And it was just and so well. Cast. It was just such a perfect thing to go for the comedy. Yeah. And Rickman, Alan Rickman, God damn it, Rickman miss that a, guy so much. And he was a perfect choice for for the whole Spock analog of the serious actor, yeah, the yes. quote unquote real actor mm-hmm. who is defined by this. Yes, this one character that he played yeah. for a few years, mm-hmm. and, and, and and not not and and the fact that it's a genre thing and right. it's a niche thing because well, you know, if, you can be. You can be defined by your King Lear or your Macbeth, you know, or your, um, I totally forgot the character's name, but. <laughs> well, I mean, I, I love how, like, every character is not an exact uh, correlation to, yes. it's an amalgam of mm-hmm. a lot of different, let's say, personalities of the the public-facing actors that played these characters, well, and then yeah. the characters and, themselves and tropes also of science being, fiction. Exactly. Because there's, there's, exactly. no, there's really no... I mean, with all, with all love for Nichelle mm-hmm. and, uh, and, and Majel, uh, she's, she's really... She's kind of... Uh, there's a little bit of a riff on Ripley in, yeah. in what you know, Sigourney is doing. And Shalhoub... <laughs> just totally fucking hysterical and Rockwell. Yes, what a revelatory performance! What, oh my god, that's, he's that's so good in that film. You you look at that because it's so funny. The first time I saw him out of that movie, I'm like, he's not like that guy at all. Because that performance is like he really came across as like they pulled someone aside and said and gave him his line readings and had him he really came across as a guy who was just totally out of his element yeah. as an actor yeah i mean it was just absolutely amazing what he did and yeah an actor that goes from being an actor to being a smarmy convention uh producer yeah and then gets thrown in with all these other guys and he's i mean it's so to to your I mean, you made the perfect point because all of these characters are out of their element, but yeah. he's the most out of his element because mm-hmm. he doesn't even have any experience to draw on. Like the other actors or the characters have their experience on the show when they start to realize right. a lot of the stuff is based on the show to draw off of. And because he only had that one By guest the logic, experience, the logic he of it, nothing. he's the guy who should die. Exactly. And he thinks he's going to the, the whole yeah, movie, the and it's home. a it's, it's so awesome. Funny. Well, and then and you know, and, I died in episode thirteen. Yeah, or the my favorite part, the part that just slayed me. Uh, aside from Shalhoub, whenever he would pop up from the engine room, and he'd be like, "Yeah, we got another problem," you know, is is the kid when they're trying to find the pro- and he's like communicating this life this galaxy saving information and mom is badgering him to throw out the garbage and so like you get the cutaways and you cut away to him running out with a bag of garbage throw it out and then get back to the computer just as long in his first role oh jesus christ that fucking killed me that fucking killed me but the the tropes about convention going 
Yeah. Uh, and and Alan's character of being utterly burnt out. The the scene when he's mistakenly being picked up at his home and he's burnt out and he's over it. But he is actually also really fucking nice to who he thinks are his uh, convention handlers. Oh, uh, Tim Allen's character? Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. You know, and, and, and he's just like, yeah, oh, wait a minute, <laughs> give me a second here, you know? and it's Maybe just, I should put some pants on. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. And it was, it, yeah, it was brilliant from stem to stern. A series, a series. It has um, big shoes to fill. Yes. Well, and, and what are you doing? Where are you going? And I mean, I'm also curious as if they're going to be able to catch lightning in a bottle again because I think that came out at a time where you had script writers that were able to kind of push the boundaries and put something new and original in the theaters. I mean, we're kind of getting back to that now, but in the... You know, decades now. Well, since. but but this is also now the nostalgia thing that right. we talked about. It's kind of funny. The circle. How does it? The circle yeah. is now complete. How does it fit in? You exactly. know, because uh, now this is a nostalgia thing, right? And, and, and unless maybe they played with some shit, it'd be funny if they riffed on Picard, right? Tim yeah. Allen's character has to explore shit about his past, and it turns I mean, out to be Tim Allen's actor character exploring shit in his past instead of well you know what i'm saying that's not a bad idea kirsten because you know stewart had to be convinced to come back and do this series Mm -hmm. and he took the meeting as a courtesy even though he was he said right up front he said i took the meeting as a concert as a courtesy but i had already planned on saying no but then they convinced me yeah. So maybe Tim Allen, his, you know, he's back on Earth. He's kind of settled in. You know, he's kind of put that chapter behind him, and the studio approaches him again, and he's like, no, 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 no. And maybe they draw him back in, and it's kind of a covert way to get him to go back on the ship. And then it turns out his, the actor's mom actually killed herself or something, and <laughs> got dark. You got to get explore all that, that went shit south so fast, you know. Or uh, I want uh, who's who's the who's the Harrison Ford? Who's mm. the one who's like, I'm only coming back, and I'm not talking about the actor negotiating doing this series. I'm talking about the actor character, yeah, doing this whole. I'll only do it if I die. You, I'm not doing this unless you kill me. Hmm. <laughs> then he actually dies. It's in the contract. <laughs> there you go. You know? Oh, man. It'd be really, really dark, but if there was some way to, to CGI that so it was Rickman. Oh, wow. It'd be really dark. Yeah. Boy. But impressive. Boy, we're, we're making... This is going to be a dark one. <laughs> we're making a dark galaxy <laughs> quest. <laughs> We're making the gritty version. This is the Justice League <laughs> oh, of God. the Snyderverse version <laughs> of yes! Galaxy Quest. It's black and white. <laughs> Galaxy Quest, the and. Snyder cut. <laughs> yeah. We're going to Snyderize this shit. How would you Snyderize it? Write to us, comments at geekshockpodcast.com. And I want to thank our banana pudding tier one members, Sir Chomps, Hawaiian Scoop, Chad Wilson, Ambivalent Hoax, Richard Bruin, Scoopatron, Mandy, Sour Maddie D, Jacob Flora, Multiverse Tonight, Scully, Mr. Dumbledave, 
Froyog Softserve, Gil, Matthew Bates, Earth Seven, John B, Diggs McSpigs, Dick Spigs, Dig, Diggs McSmigs, <laughs> Fige, <laughs> Mister Sticky Pants, and of course Kingvald, and our Fireball Whiskey Tier Four members: King uh, Deb T, David Ferrari, Derek Kunkel, and Jeff Harris, Ozzy Matt, Matt Martron, Glemley, and Tommy Gumby. You Tier Five members are awesome. And all of you that do support our wonderful show. And again, if you want to support and find our free show very charming and want to give us money, go to ko-fi.com slash geekshock and you can learn more there. But even if you don't, we appreciate you listening, dear listener. And of course, a special thank you to our theme song creator, Sam Heffernan. That song is called The Burning Light. And you can find his music at SWH Music on Spotify, SoundCloud, YouTube, and Twitch. And uh, thank you. Thank you for listening and listening to the show. For this, we've done a lot of shows. They're not, not, yeah. And they're not friggin' slowing down. It's weird. No. Yeah. I like it. We're though. still here. We are we're still we're, here. We're still doing oh, it. Oh, oh, wait, there it is. And the, now we're, now level, we're knocking on strange. That's right. The level of our flora. relevance, uh, you know, that's a, that's questionable. <laughs> but 15 years <laughs> we're coming I'm up here. on doing this. I'm here. I have the longest streak, I think, <laughs> now, because I haven't missed yeah. since, uh, since leaving Ka. In 2017, yeah, I think you do. I think you have the long streak now. So, yeah, that's right. A- after after that time at Ka, when I when you guys were recording it, f- we were fucking doing it at midnight so I could show up, and sometimes I just couldn't make it anyway. And that was always cool of you guys. And well, you and Paul were both getting out late. So. Yeah, yeah. Now, if you think it's hard keeping your Dungeons and Dragons campaign together for a few years, you yeah. try running a podcast like this. Yeah, I have people with multiple jobs. I haven't uh, been able to keep a campaign ever going, and uh, but then again, that's because I I bore easily. So sure, I get th- th- this is easy because I just show up and you you stir shit. <laughs> and, that's and, really and, what and, comes and down to when you're not here then you know it's, no, no one it's, stirs any shit yeah. and everything is shitless yeah. well Jeff and I then just have a, a nice civilized conversation <laughs> about stuff I can't have that so I yeah. refuse to have that so but my god he has I to mean, bring that betrayal mechanic in yeah <laughs> but you two I mean you two cause Barry he just had to go away I'm gonna go away for a while but you two you've done it You've done it so long, you don't even know no. when you started. No, this is this is what, I, life, I, this I, is what life is now. I still love trying to explain to people the age of geek shock and not being able to precisely go because none of you guys actually remember the month and year that you started. Have, Jeff will, we, Jeff it, will it look was, up at the ceiling and start calculating. We have I, an assumption. I know for a fact it was late 07. <laughs> I just don't remember which month we started. I believe it was November of 07, Versus but I can't be 07 100%. When the drugs start kicking yeah. in. Now, I, I do know, yeah, it was at the experience because Paul is like, hey, dude, you got to listen to my... Uh, my my podcast you gotta listen you gotta see my video show and i was like oh and then jeff is like hey man you gotta listen to my podcast to see my video and then i noticed the titles are the same and i'm like okay whose is this because everyone's like this is my show mine and i don't i'm kind of confused well get ready to take multiple drinks here folks but i know for a fact (laughs) when trek closed in 08 
We had been doing it for almost a year at that point. Okay. And that was September of 08. <laughs> and the archaeology continues. So, That's yeah, right. I'm, I'm still convinced it was November of 07 that now, we started. But mm-hmm. We don't, be, and a lot of this is be, because, do, do we have the earliest episodes? There were some things right. that happened to the original episodes as far as their individual recordings that made them inaccessible again. Yes, but... Uh, okay. In case you're not aware, all Kofi members, those first 19 episodes are available on the Kofi Drive. You oh, can, they are. Yeah, you can download those anytime you want to hear the original Couchcast episodes. The Couchcast. Okay. So, so, they, are so they are out there. They are there. But because I, I, I've kept them in our in personal archive. But you can't yeah. you can't listen to the first episode and tease out. Oh, this would have been. Well, we never put dates on it when we started recording. Yeah, but if. Todd's thing has been to be topical. So, you know what, topicize. We, we would literally have to go back to those original episodes <laughs> yes! and find out what we're discussing yes! and where that was. That's what he's talking about. Yes, that's what I'm saying. He's saying there is a way. There, there should no, no, be. No, no, you're, you're missing the point here. Oh, I, don't think, I don't think he is. <laughs> I don't think he is at all. You're asking us to go back and listen to those original episodes. Yes. And those are that's right. tough to listen to. <laughs> for, for those of us that recorded it. It's oh. hard to go back because our format was very different in the early days. The first season, you have to go through it to get through I mean, it. there are times it's hard for me to listen to myself on the podcast well, now, sure. not mm-hmm. to mention 15 years ago. Oh. I, uh, okay, now, I did now. attempt to listen to one when he yeah. first put those up on there. I te- mm-hmm. attempted to start listening to one, and I was just like, I can't do it. Where are they? Let, I sound ju- like shit. Let's just say we found our structure organically. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I... You I you got to point me in the direction. Go to the Kofi Google Drive. But I don't. They have their bl- own. I don't belong. folder. Yeah, you do. What? I'm not a. Am I a member? Yeah. Yeah. Am I? If 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 you can't find it, have Barry walk you through it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Call him up. Oh, Barry, walk me through this. Oh, 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 my hair. I'm busy. I'm, and and I'm doing whether things. you were with us from episode one or just started with this one. Glad to have you. I am Master Torgo. 80s Jeff. And. Oh, shit. Commander K. We'll talk to you next week. And Deb's geek. ears yeah. are burning now. She's like, no, somebody I, stole my and. Yeah, and That's I right. had to fix that volume and post. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and by the way, folks, I have been experiencing some travails at work. And so. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, I actually uh, put out the word on the lair for some help. And I've been doing a lot of GoFundMes, and I'm personally exhausted with that whole thing. But nevertheless, I found myself once again um, asking for a bit of help. And there were some people who were like, it always, always there to help out um, a Geek Shock member. So thank you guys. You really made a difference. You actually got me over the line that I was running raggedly, precariously close to. So I appreciate that, and thank you very much. And I appreciate that, too. Always thank you for helping helping a cast member when they need it. Really appreciate it. Yeah, my, co- my GoFundMes were killed when we started the Kofi because suddenly people had uh, a place to put their Geek Shock money. So, uh, yeah. Oh, I can feel that a little bit. I feel it. <laughs> No, but seriously, that it it yeah, um, and 
what uh, I was gonna say one other thing shit well no I'm I'm gonna go look I'm gonna go look for that first episode I'm gonna listen yeah, to it. it and and yeah figure it out get Kofi members go you know, listen we're, let's we're, talk about it on the lair you know what <clears throat> we're already in a long episode but I'm gonna continue with some bullshit anyway what and this goes back to my whole listening to the history of rap right oh I am now in the beginning oh that's right of 1987. Yeah. All right. I've listened to the first uh, album of Public Enemy. Mm. I've listened to the first album of KRS-One, back when mm. it was known as Boogie Down Productions. I want to step back a few albums and bring up something that blew my mind. Uh-oh. All right. Before Dr. Dre and Yella founded NWA, mm. they were in a group called the World Class Wrecking Crew. Right. Uh, C-R-U, spelled yeah. like crew. Uh, their second album was called Rappin' in Romance, or Wrapped in Romance. Mm. Knowing the trajectory that Dr. Dre would take from NWA to The Chronic and, and on, mm. and, and the name that he made for himself, listening to this album was a fucking gem. It was spectacular for two particular tracks one's called love letter mm. and that track is dre who sounds oddly like chris rock during this album <laughs> doing an i don't want to use the word insipid but very basic 13 year old poetry love mm. poetry uh. Just that, the, where you know what the next rhyme is going to be the moment you hear the word, mm -hmm. and it, it's one of those slow jams. It's not almost not a rap. It's one of those you got that uh, near Casio keyboard romantic slow Barry White sound of the mm -hmm. eight, mid '80s. All right, and then you have that line like where there's a long pause between each line. So it's like, I love you, baby, and I'm tell you why. I'm going to be your number one guy. And the whole thing <laughs> is like that, just stilted all the way through. Mm -hmm. And what really sends it home is Michelle. Michelle uh, later had her own solo career, but this is she's really young here. She was known by some as the Betty Boop of R&B because mm -hmm. she had that really kind of squeaky voice. And she really, she's doing the choruses mm -hmm. and this call and response to these. And it's so sappy, and she's just going to town on these squeaky high notes, and the whole thing is laugh out loud funny from beginning to end because you can feel the 12-year-old sincerity behind the mind of this mm -hmm. rap, for lack of a better word. But it was really sealed with the next track that followed it called The Fly where world-class wrecking crew, Dr. Dre and Yella and his two other fellas are trying to create a new dance called The Fly. And it is so amazingly ridiculous. Shake your body like an insect. Ridiculous. It's so beautifully try-hard. My friends, even if you don't <laughs> listen to rap and you have Spotify, you must find world-class wrecking crew wrapped in romance and listen to 
love letter followed by the fly and know that dr dre was behind it all mm. it's a must wow it's a, this is I'm my second public service my, my second public service amountment <laughs> amountment amountment <laughs> seriously <laughs> flush your shit do it just, just reach around and and give, give yourself a reach around folks give, yes that is the best reach around you can do for yourself <laughs> second best reach around you can do for yourself you'll thank me later yeah